A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Poe Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob DiPietro, the Dead Poe Hitter. Thanks, everyone, for joining me once again. Sorry about the long holdout. Went through some very personal stuff. My mom went through hell, but made it through so far, um, and it passed all the worst things she could possibly go through. So, gratefully, thankfully, it's trending upward, and I can begin to dedicate some time to um, doing the podcast again. Uh, my focus just was not there on doing that um, and not completely on fantasy baseball. So um, my eyes were wide open to bigger things, larger things at hand, but um, in the end, I'm a better person for it and uh, couldn't be more grateful and um, than I ever have about being alive and... Um, not taking things for granted. So, uh, with that out of the way, I just really um, excited to get back into the podcast game. I just think that it's um, something that um, helps me a lot in my daily life. Just being able to look forward to talking to um, everybody that uh, that comes onto the show and um, opens their time and their intelligence to me about playing fantasy baseball or just even about baseball itself um it's pretty cool it's pretty special and not doing it i've realized how much i miss it and how much i do enjoy um the process of of getting ready for them and talking to everyone and uh it's really cool so hopefully i can um find the time to do you know a couple of week up until the baseball season starts. Um, I did have a huge list of, uh, of, of people that I wanted to get on this year. Um, unfortunately, I'll have to cut you know, a lot of that out or just consolidate into instead of single guests on pods, maybe have three or four at a time and see how we can make that work. To lead the comeback trail, though, um, I did have an individual podcast with John Legeza of um, Cork Stats. I'm sure everyone's aware of the work that John's been putting out. He just got rehooked with The Athletic, and he does a ton of, of his own work and very unique dives on, on players and analysis, and he's um, someone I call a close friend, um, constantly supporting me um, through times. And, um, you know, we're always talking about baseball and ways to make each other better. Um, in life as well, so I was uh, blessed that he could come on and he gave me a pretty strong show, definitely a lengthy one, but I think that's my usual um, podcast uh, length, but um, it just feels good, it feels good to get back to speaking, um, 
and talking about fantasy baseball. I was on the SP Streamer podcast last week. That was my first time back on the mic in a while on a guest appearance, and I was uh, honored to be on with uh, Mike and Lauren, and it was fun. It ignited um, the urgency to you know try to get back into podcasting. So I know where we are right now with Major League Baseball. Everyone's upset. Um, the owners, the players, they can't come to an agreement on you know, when to play baseball and, you know, how to mutually um, compensate each other to make that happen and sacrifices they have to make. So hopefully they can hammer something out. We don't want to miss too much of baseball, right? You know, I wouldn't think they'd want to miss the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson um, Day on April 15th. So maybe they maybe they make that opening day. That would be pretty, you know, um, optimistically looking the the best thing I could come up with, and we'll see, you know, I'm just going to stay optimistic as much as I can, as much as I, you know, normally try to be in life, and like I said, with, um, with real life providing, um, eye-opening moments, um, that makes me feel, um, you know, that baseball and fantasy baseball, as much as a part of my life it is, it's still relatively small in the grand scheme of things. So um, I'm keeping that in perspective and uh, just you know, hoping that they can get out in the field. And um, I don't want to be angry as much as I want to be about it. You know, just um, trying to prepare um, for the season and trying to prepare a good amount of guests to come on and give... The listeners a chance to hear some different voices or some voices that they normally hear um but you know obviously it's different when they come on the pull hitter pod so um yeah with that being said i think we're on march 3rd this weekend baseball hq has their first pitch online um which should be pretty awesome which it normally is it's supposed to be live and in person but um they're going virtual like they did last year um so it should be pretty special to have over 50 uh, guests lined up to speak over Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, it's well worth the time and the money to check that out. Um, just a, a great, great thing they usually put out. Will you know? Um, and in this lull, in this little baseball lull we have right now, it should be good to fill in the time and um, always gain some great perspective onto uh, you know the baseball season coming up. So um, yeah, so I hope everyone enjoys this episode with John and I, and um, thank you for coming back, thank you for listening, thank you for reaching out to me um, in the past couple of months. I think that was real eye-opener to me, having people um, wondering where I was and if everything was okay, without even me, you know, um, uh, telling some people. It's uh, it's really cool to see that... Um, I guess, quote unquote, that people have missed uh, my podcast and missed, um, you know, talking to me in general. So I appreciate all that. I appreciate everyone, you know, making sure I was okay and um, my mom was okay. So uh, thank God and I'm really appreciative of everyone. And it's, uh, it's, um, it's cool. It's cool to know that um, I've made some impression on, on y'all um, with the podcast and with everything uh that i could do so um yeah so thank you for hanging out thank you for being patient and um thank you for coming back to listen if you are coming back to listen um all right here we go all right we're back with the pull hitter podcast i'm rob d 
uh, with the long-awaited rebirth of the Pull Hitter podcast. And then I'm coming in, leading off my rebirth is my boy from Brooklyn, Mr. Johnny Legeza. Johnny, what's up, my man? Gosh, are we supposed to talk about baseball? I could probably spend the hour talking about how much we've missed you and how happy we are to have you back. Man, you're a really important piece of the current kind of fantasy baseball sphere. A lot, I know a lot of people have my back on that. It's really good to have you back. But let's talk about some baseball. Oh, man, there's so much negativity right now. Let's bring the sunshine, man. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thank you for those kind words. Yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy whirlwind um, last, you know, two plus months. And, um, you know, I'm glad that everything's trending in the right way and that I could put some some of my time and effort back into this because it is great. It's, it's, it is fun. Um, you know, I got back on the SP streamer last week on that podcast. And that's something that Good. we made in like November. And, uh, you know, Mike had texted me the week before and said, you know, it's okay if you're still not ready. I said, you know what? Nah, I got to do it. And we made this date a long time ago and doing your podcast with him and Lauren was really cool. I just, uh, yeah. I felt it. I felt it in my body when, um, when I was doing it. And then afterwards, you know, I was like, walked away like, oh, it's, I missed that. You know, that really, that really, uh, I needed that. So, and then, so I was trying to plan out, you know, some, I literally, John had a list of 50 to 60 guys that, you know, girls um, as well that I wanted to get on the pod and, you know, in this whole off season, you know, and I started off pretty good. I did a couple in November, a couple of December and every week. And then it just went. So I'm looking at this, <laughs> this list I have, you know, and I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to go, you know, I'm trying to like take um, groups that I think would be good, almost doing like my own kind of uh, pitch con or, you know, first pitch, you know, like I'm just that? trying to consolidate guys into, you know, three or four, you know, people squads. And, um, but then I, you know, looking at your name, I said, no, nah, this has got to be a solo show. <laughs> this has got to be me and Johnny. I even, you know, I love your Roto Sopranos with Maddie Bodica. And I was even going to do that. And I was like, nah, you know what? J Johnny, J Johnny needs the space and the time uh, to talk just, you know, on his own and me just like sit there and enjoy it. You know, um, I, yeah, I, I was selfish with that one. I was like, no one else can share John, just me. Oh, I am so flattered, man. I really am. It, we, I'm telling you, we really miss you in the space. I'm not sure if you even realize you you sparked this wave of bringing the best high stakes players into the four, and that's been really great. Seeing the the interaction now and the introduction of these people and how good they are, really right. spot like that, and how I think the players make the analysts better and the analysts making the players better. And I think mm -hmm. there's been a synergy now that you're responsible for. That's really excellent. So I, you've kind of left your stamp. It really is great to have you back. So Thank I have the over-under set at 11 and a half. I'm off to a good start on that. <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. So for everyone listening, um, let them know who you are. I'm sure if they listen to my, uh, my podcast and uh, they don't know who you are, then they're doing something wrong because, nice. you know, uh, you're, you're the man. <laughs> you recently had some, you know, great things happening. So I want you to, uh, you know, tell everyone where to find you and what you're doing. All right, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I'm the man behind the madness. MLB moving averages at MLB moving AVG. Gosh, the fire hydrant is wide open right now, man. It's all over the place. I have detailed videos. We're doing some granular analytical work. It's really kind of advanced, but I think it's fun because I think that is kind of the new way using rolling charts and trend indication to look forward rather than look backward. Those are at Mayo Media Net on YouTube, but you could just type in Quark Stats because there's a Quark Stats YouTube, but also Quark Stats on 
Patty's channel. He's been really cool about hosting it. He just said, this stuff's too good to, you know, not be at the front. So I appreciated that. And then I have the Cork Stats podcast that you mentioned. That's different content. That's more strategy-based, where I'm doing either the Roto Sopranos with Maddie Mo, which has been a lot of fun, having guests like, you know, like yourself on, or doing those counterpoint episodes, which are a lot of fun. We'll probably talk about them at some point, where I kind of listen to my favorite episodes you know, my favorite podcast is just answer. And it's not always a rebuttal. We'll get to that as well. So, yeah, thanks, man. Everything Cork Stats and uh, MLB Moving the Average. And The Athletic. Wow. That's yes, and The Athletic. Holy cow, I forgot yeah. that one. Sorry, no, no. No, I'm just kidding, man. But it's been, it's been a whirlwind. And then to get that yeah. punch in the gut the other day really hurt because I finally caught some wind under my sails. I've been working really hard to attain. And, you know, such is life. So I got back to the grindstone. But, yeah, check me out. Yeah, that, 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 that's great. I saw that you got back with the athletic and i remember that's the first time i you know heard of you um slash met you started talking to you on twitter oh, you know like hey. you know read the those articles time. and that's when i you know was first jumping into the nfbc sphere and you know i tried to you know up my game get into different uh you know i was just strictly a baseball hq guy you know and uh so hop on fan graphs hop on road wire hop on the athletic you know try all these different sites, um, try to read as much as I could. And I said, oh, look at this guy. It's like, he's Italian. He's great at fantasy analysis. I was like, I got to talk to this guy, you know? Oh, I didn't find out from Brooklyn. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, this is it. This is the best. This is who, who is this guy? Is he, is he my little, um, like inner child who just grew out of me? And then I never met him after that, you know? So it was really cool. I remember us talking after that, you know, you really got me hooked with like the quality start things and all, all those cool new metrics that you were introducing into the game. And, um, even, even on things where maybe I didn't disagree on you, you know, trying to maybe say, oh, this should be here instead of wind. I still appreciated the whole process. It was just so awesome. I'm like, wow, he's really getting into so many things. And of course, as I listen to all your podcasts and, you know, there's a, there's a level to you that um, I really appreciate because, um, you know, I think it's just that nonstop relentless pursuit like just uh the full court press uh like i like mamba to say baby. yeah yeah that mamba mentality I know. like i know ev- you know even if i'm up 20 i'm still i'm still looking to you know tear you down um you know never never taking a playoff just stuff like that and through your words and through your you know process i feel that energy all the time even when i'm reading or I hear your podcast john i'm like it turns me up a notch you know if i'm being a little bit of mushad all day it's gonna be like all right now i gotta do something because i'm inspired you know so <laughs> Man, I'm, thank you. Yeah, Gosh. I'm really happy that you uh, you deserve all the success Gosh. that you're going to get. I think that's part of what's missing is baseball has this bad stigma of like being boring. And I think just that's some of the coverage, you know, that right. if people if the public is looking to the people covering the game as if they're bored, then right. they're, you know, projecting boredom. I cover it like it's MMA or NFL. Man. That's the most exciting thing in the world to me. You know, I, I, I wish it was like that. I think if the Right, the public just saw it through different lens. I think it would take off. I think the stars, the young stars in particular, are in place for that as well. And it's just so frustrating right now. It is so frustrating. Yes, you mentioned the, the, the decision the other day to cancel the first two series of baseball. I miss baseball. I love baseball. And it's my favorite thing in the world, like my favorite hobby in the world. Right. But from an eyes wide open perspective thing, it's like, you know, like it, it's, it sucks. I want it to happen on time, but like, I'm happy that everything else in my life 
it's getting better. So I wish this happened. And um, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just a little, uh, I I hate the, you know, the owners are, are really obviously, uh, you know, big bags of shit. But um, it's just that I feel that the players union needs to really get a little more creative than they came up with. I think they really need to just get either better representation or, you know, just, I don't know, I feel like they had such a long time to really get this right. And I don't feel like they brought anything to the table that would have like made them understand that they would have got the owners close. You know, I don't know. I'm not blaming it on them because this is strictly on the owners, but I also feel like the players union needs to be better. What do you think about that? I don't know. I mean, I'd love to be a fly in the wall. I think the timing was number one, but right. This takes two to tango perhaps had, but perhaps to what you were saying, and the PA, the Players Association, could have improved their optics by working earlier, right? If they were in the public sphere, in the public eye, saying, we're trying, we have this idea, this idea, let's get this done. The people need, you know, putting the people first, putting the fans first, and maybe even more so what we haven't heard enough about, which is funny, because now we're in the age of where, like, everyone's worried about everyone except for this, which this lack of a deal directly, directly going to affect what might be hundreds of thousands of marginalized people in inner cities all over the country, like Absolutely. all over the place. Absolutely. The people of the South Bronx, the people of the South Bronx around 161st need that income. They need 81 games and you know, they love getting the playoffs as well, but you know, without it, even that hurts. Hundred You need those games. And it's not, it's like, dude, it's small businesses. It's right. independent people. It's people hawking souvenirs. If you've never been there, then you don't know. People right. are going to suffer because of this. And then if you were going to go a bit further, so I, it's not Yankee Stadium, but there are, oh man, I looked at the list. There are stadiums that are taxpayer funded. Part of that agreement should have been, uh, uh, you are disallowed from locking out players and not right. giving people what they've paid for because that should have been the back end of that deal the commerce that they bring which is why the players earn the salary i'm tired of hearing millionaires versus billionaires listen if if <laughs> i could somehow find sixty-five thousand people to pay to watch me screw in a light bulb as an electrician guess what i demand that kind of pay as well it's absolutely ridiculous it really it's so sickening all the money to be made these are not this is not, we're not looking to save the Pony Express. This is not an antiquated, broken, I mean, the system's broken, I shouldn't say that, but I mean a broken product. It's not, it's wildly profitable. Yes. People are begging to spend their money on it and it's being withheld. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is ridiculous. This the whole process of it, just locking the players out too and not even just trying to try and trying to negotiate and let them still have the, you know, uh, it's just just so bad. Just like I said, I'm I, I completely unaware that it's it take it does take two to tango. Both of them need to really, you know, sacrifice a little more and and get to it because this needs to happen. You know, I feel like it's uh uh, you know, I'm just going to have to go to Lakewood Blue Cause game. Or, sorry, Jersey Shore Blue Cause. Uh, yeah. not, not Lakewood anymore. But uh, so you've been, you talked about your um, podcast episode. You brought up your counterpoint episode, which um, I think is great. Um, you know, just uh, throwing good. And 
it's funny because like your podcast is basically like a Google doc I have where I'm just keeping track of stuff people say, you know, John, John highlighted this, mentioned this, you know, I have a running list since 2019 of, of all the podcasts I've listened to, um, stuff that's been highlighted that day, you know, and, and um, or things to look at, you know, I'll put it in bold or color it if it's something I want to like dive deep into or put in even a link, you know, so I, I have something like that you know, that I keep private because it just makes me get into more player analysis or get into theory or just dive into anything. And when I heard you like putting it into the podcast, I'm like, this is great because you're just saying the thoughts out loud that you may have, you know, saying it to yourself and, 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 you know, bring it out there and getting more and sparking more conversation. I think it's, it's really been, uh, it's really been awesome. I, I how did you, uh, I know you, you know, you talk about it on your podcast, you're just doing stuff, you're getting stuff done, you're taking your kids to school, you're going to the supermarket and you're, you know, you're just blasting through pods. I'm the same way, whether I'm outside with my dogs or inside, you know, um, just doing nothing. I'm just, you know, cracking on episodes. I'm taking my walks with the neighborhood and I'm trying to do like two times speed because I'm like, I got to get in sick today or something, something really nuts. Um, you know, and I guess you on that level and said, I want to talk back, but how am I going to? Is that something that like kind of like how it went? Well, it actually, you know me, man, it actually started with me answering back. So again, I always have, I, I almost always have the earbud going, you know, I got two young kids, they're watching stuff I'm not interested in, but I want them to, you know, let them watch it, but I don't need to listen to it. So you can kind of play with kids and have stuff on in the background and maybe you back up a little bit here and there. But I'm always pushing content through the eardrums. And I'm, you know, again, shooting for husband of the year. You start volunteering to uh, run all the errands. So all of a sudden I'm, you know, running out, <laughs> dropping in my door off at school. And I'm going to pass by the butcher shop, hit up the grocery store and, you know, pick up uh, something on the way home. And before you know it, there's, you know, you built 90 minutes of productive, productive time because that's the problem with podcast. I feel like they have to supplement production. It's hard for me to just like sit with my hands crossed. And it's hard for me to work while I'm doing it also because you're trying to focus on two different things. So I found right. errands are perfect, driving in, you know, again, grocery shopping. And I'm grocery shopping, and I forget who the first one was. And I, like, answered out loud, and people looked at me. They're like, what the f- – what is wrong with this guy? You know what I mean? Who, who is Miles Straw? What? You know, what is that? And and that's where it happened. I said, you know what, man? It wasn't – it's not at all about, about accountability. That's not what it's about. But right. it was about, about – the volley like that's what you're talking about the, the discourse yes. that you and i talk about all the time i just wanted to volley and you know hoping people would respect the conversation and maybe even would get picked up and then volley back and kind of yeah. man out of all the stuff i've done it's been very well received by the fantasy community that's awesome that's awesome and 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 i really feel like it's just been great because they're short they're sweet you're giving credit to all all the podcasts too that you are listening you are dedicating your time to listen to their podcast could you respect them and it's just like you said it's just a, a little volley i like that word because everyone loves a little tennis volley you know um but one one key that you um that you mentioned in there is you said the butcher shop right so i want to know because it's so funny because when my mom tells stories about, back in the day and she goes when well, we used to go to the pork store and my wife you know who's from jersey doesn't understand that you know, that that lingua like that lingo she goes what's a pork store it's like oh it's just a deli we call it the pork store uh but is it is is the butcher shop your your uh term because i know they no, like no a- it depends it's funny it depends on the store this is yeah, act- d- this yeah. is an american butcher shop oh, so if, I would, go- yeah, if I would go yeah if i were going to 
if I were going to like Landy's or Pasquale's or yes. Leone's, those are pork stores. Yeah, those are pork stores. <laughs> this place at Bre- Brennan's is not a pork store. It's an American, you know what I mean? It's more like a boar's head American yeah. deli. Right. Okay. Where, gotcha. Uh, for me, a pork store, if you can't get like a good veal spadini or if you can't spend like $35 a pound on brisciotti, it's not a pork store. You know what I mean? Ooh. Right. If you can't, if you don't bang your head into dry salami on the way in, on the way in, you got the wrong place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, used to be swinging wildly from. Uh, I love the. Oh, I love uh, that. Yeah, I mean, the yeah. food in those places is outrageous, man. It really is. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I miss Brooklyn for those little, those little things because we developed the best yeah. little. You know, um, the guy who owned that pork store that we used to go to we used to always get my mom's stuff. You know, she, hey, Gabrielle, take take some of this ham, like you know, the ham bones, or take this, or take you know, and she used to bring home and make some. You know, it's just uh, it was good. They always, everyone was always looking out or each other not this cutting you know cutthroat world that we live in these days but um going off your counterpoint episode you you know how i love how you mentioned how it's almost like an expansion as well um you know because you're just expanding your thoughts of of what you're listening to and um inspired by the recent um rotowire pod with jenstad and uh, scott jenstad and jeff erickson uh, they were talking about like non-fantasy baseball stuff. So I figured it would be cool if we just blast through some quick things, you know, just talk about real baseball, not fantasy. Obviously, we know that your favorite team is the New York Yankees. Um, so tell me about, you know, your story about getting into baseball and, you know, all that fun stuff when you were little until now. Yeah, it's funny. Ba- baseball is always in my family. You know, my family watched it and rooted and, you know, even more so, like, my dad was playing Stratomatic in the 70s. Yes. So, like, that's like that's like the precursor to fantasy. So, but it gives you an idea that that kind of stuff's in my blood. Right? That has to be in your blood. Mm-hmm. You know, him and his boys with the cardboard dioramas, throwing dice and everything. It was crazy. Oh, it's crazy. Yes. I would almost wish I could get involved with that. Because right? I don't want to play that online. You got to do that in person. Because I've, I've seen it in person. You got to have it in person. But anyway. So, ba- right. Baseball is always in the blood. Wait, John, isn't that amazing, though? Like what, what we, like what, like even I remember as a child, but what, you know, our dad used to go through to get like, just to be creative, right? Just when it yeah. rained and we couldn't play baseball and we had to do things inside. It was amazing. The lengths we went to, to devise like a, a league or, or, you know, all of a sudden we had an, you know, a league, me and my three brothers had a league in a day if it was raining and we blasted through Stratomatic or something. Like it was always keeping track of stats doing league. But get yeah, sorry, I didn't interrupt you, but I just no, love that so old, good, like man. that's such that's, it's the love, that, like, baby. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it's that kind of thing is is ingrained in, in some. And that's of, of course you could pick it up, but yeah, but I did always have that. There was always baseball in my family, and it was always that it's funny, there was always a divide. So you could go all the way back to the 50s. There was a Dodger-Yankee divide between my grandmother and her sister. They lived in the same house. That was always the town, big Italian thing back in the day. They all, they, they, well, they worked yeah. together. They pulled right. the money and bought a, bought a house together. Right. Grandma's on the top floor. My great aunt, her sister, on the bottom floor. So the top floor was the Yankees. The bottom floor was the Dodgers. You fast forward to 58 when the Dodgers leave, they ended up with a dark spot. So the Yankees fans obviously stayed Yankees. No reason not to. The Dodger fans would not become Yankee fans because of all the fighting and not, you know, just that rivalry. So they went dark for a few years. They picked up the Mets in 62 right off the bat. And then right. they took off the right, the inter Legaza, how well his other names that I've heard everything. But the, the interfamily kind of, you know, rivalry continued and it went all the way into when I was a kid where my aunt, even after her husband, uh, God rest his soul, he passed away. My aunt Josephine was watching games by herself, and this is funny, there's a, a bit of this is probably apropos, she stopped watching in 94. 
Rob. So I'm born 82. She stopped watching when I was 12 because of the labor disputes. It's sick wow. to the point she said, never again. Like we gave you, it, you got to understand it meant a lot to people that like we gave you our heart. Like we, we gave you everything, you know, we were with you through all this and we supported you, the Mets, when they stunk and you guys don't want to work. Not, not that they, and remember the media was different then. We didn't have the internet and other sources. People were being bombarded. It was the players, the players. Now I think looking back, we probably realize a lot of the framing going on. Yeah, probably yeah. <laughs> disingenuous. I don't. Again, I don't really know anything about it. Yeah. I'm just willing to bet that that with yeah. the limited with the limited coverage, right? Yeah. We've seen how certain media pieces will knowingly get stuff wrong, mislead us, and not care the next day. They get yeah. they cash check on Friday, and it doesn't matter. So and we whatever, clearly got misled that night yeah, before yeah. where they worked yeah. until two a.m. Like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. some some of those tweets where you just like realize the next day you read back and you're like, yeah, I got a little fooled on that one. <laughs> but then, listen, man, well, I didn't want to get too far there, but that's okay. Listen, yeah. that's okay also because you don't have a little bit of trust. So what's the flip side of that? I knew it. I knew it wasn't going to work. Ha ha. I was, I was miserable from the beginning. Oh, that's right. the lesson. Be miserable yeah. from the beginning and you'll never be disappointed. Whatever, man. You know, I wasn't like Heyman said, Heyman said, yeah, you hoped because there yeah. was a realistic chance right. and it didn't happen. It is what it is. You know? Got to be optimistic, man, about anything. A little right. bit. I, yeah. I, I, listen, I didn't think they would leave all the cash on the table. From what I understood, spring training is profitable. They sell millions of dollars with the hot dogs and stuff at the games. I just thought there was too much money to miss. Absolutely. Plus the bad optics, and I was wrong. You know, you're wrong. You're wrong. You move yep. on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss bets. I'm gonna miss on players. It happens. Yep. I didn't mean to get you, of course, about your your baseball history. But did you play any ball when you were young? Yeah, I played when I was really little. We did like the travel team thing. Yep. But then um, I was always very combative. I was a really bad kid. I was a bad kid, so. I was always combative. And then like, well, I ended up picking, which is funny. It was like, I was a bad kid. I ended up picking school because school was the one, the kind of crime I was committing. You could do with school. So like I chose, I chose a life of, I chose a life of, of, of <laughs> I chose a different path than, than athletics. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. I, I, I have a wild, but it's been a wild yeah, drive for me, man. Wild that's drive. great. So tell me your uh, favorite Yankee and then your favorite non-Yankee. This is funny. My favorite Yankee easily is Paul O'Neill. That one I didn't have to think twice about. All right. not, I don't okay. really, I believe it or not, I don't really care much for Derek Jeter. I've never been a Jeter guy. He's great. You know, he's great, but I, I don't, I'm not a big Jeter guy. Uh, I like, obviously, Mariano Rivera had a place in my heart, but like I was, yeah, right. I don't know. I, Paul O'Neill is my favorite. His stuff's up in my son's room. My favorite player, not a Yankee. You got, again, it, it goes back into what I was saying about That's why I wanted to mention AG and the Mets. Because I, when I hung out with her, we were watching Kiner's Corner on, on WWOR back in the day. You right. know what I mean? Like, you can't drop yep. that without knowing. Right. And it was Howard Johnson because the Mets were so Ooh. popular that, again, I just didn't like to go by the beaten path. That was just, that's never been my style. So wherever I love, well, dude, Strawberry was great. But everybody wanted Strawberry. Everybody wanted Strawberry. It was the same guys. So for me, it was like, I was always been a bit of a, like a, a, a grinder. You know what I mean? I've always been a lunch pail kind of guy. And and I thought Hojo was that, you know what I mean? Like I just right. thought he was the grinder, and he used to come up when they needed him and stuff. And I don't know if it's a mustache thing. I don't know. Look at that. <laughs> what is Hojo? <laughs> no, that's cool. I like that one. I like that one. Yeah, yeah. That's a that worked out. You know, I I I have um, I grew up. I'm still am a Met fan, but my oldest brother is a Yankee fan, and you know he would take me to a ton of Yankee games. So you know I've always you know enjoyed going to the stadium with him and enjoying baseball. 
um as i got older like i mean like 14 15 i started playing the role of like the i made believe i was a yankee fan and i was an angry yankee fan you know like i would just like heckle and i realized that was a stupid stage to really go through but <laughs> but um it's funny because as 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 the 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 Dwight Goodens and Strawberries and the Cones started funneling over and playing on the Yankees when he would get, you know, yeah, I'm going to get a Saturday, you know, season pass this year. I'm like, I'll go, you know, because I wanted to see my old favorite players, you know, so, um, but um, I have a weird, uh, odd, non-favorite, like Met is uh, Raul Mondesi. Um, strange, right? Yeah, really? I know. I just see your face right now. It's like, I really? Yeah. So all time. Need- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it, it's so random, but like, you know, little things uh, leave imprints on you, you know, from from when you're little or when you go to baseball game. We my family, um, we were friends uh, with with a uh, great, great, great guy. And he had season tickets to the Mets um, and he he had the four four seats on the third base side that were front row, front row, literally two. It was. Um, right down the aisle, there was uh, a latch and a gate for to get on the field. So it was like in between the tarp and the end of the dugout, right? There was a little gate, and that's how the usher used to get on the field. You know, we literally I could open up and go go on it. So um, we would always go to the game early, you know, and, and and get autographs and just watch, you know, batting practice. And it was funny because when people like, you know, you get to your seats and you're like, excuse me, and they're like, I'm here for batting practice. Like, I know you are, but these are my seats, you know, so. That, that was always the best thing where you could just always be in the front. But I remember as a rookie, you know, we used to go, um, you know, I, I was always attracted to the Dodgers. I don't know why. I guess it was the color of the of the jerseys or I don't know. It was something. I used to always enjoy going to Dodgers, like see them the play the Dodgers. Yes, probably the Brooklyn connection. It's just got to be in there. And I remember this guy in right, right field, standing in the right field corner, throwing like flat footed, right? all the way to the third base line, like to third base. I'm like, wow, you know, throwing missiles. And then when he elevated to bunny hopping and throwing it, it was Mondesi. And I was like, and I remember my brother, yeah, this is the guy, this is the guy that called up Mondesi. You know, he's a real good player, all around player. He's got a rifle. That's what they said. He's got a rifle. That's what we used to say. And me, when I played baseball, my favorite thing was, um, I love pitching and striking out, but when I played short or third, I used to love just waiting as long as I could and just firing over. Like I wanted to, it was a stupid game I used to play myself. Let's see how long I could wait and just rifle it over to first, you know, punch him out, make him think he's got a shot. And um, this guy was throwing laser beams. I remember watching the ball, like, like used to just fly toward us. One time it went, oh man, it, it almost hit us. Like it land, it went over the guy's head hit the hit the dirt right before us but um he signed we saw them uh three times in a matter of three years and he signed for autographs for like an hour and a half each time you know uh and it was just like the uh, a combination of me being mesmerized by his skills i just thought just to love him right uh you know i used to love the number 43 it was like my second number after jordan you know it was just like i don't know why this weird attraction to raul mondesi but i always loved guys like that though too in those games like barry larkin barry larkin probably another one of my favorites he would sign for hours you know 
everything balls bats uh take pictures he was such a a good good soul all those guys who took their time to give the fans back you know yaki stadium shea stadium i love those guys like those guys always have a piece of my heart you know because that's that's what you remember you remember those autographs you get when you're 12 you know that you still have in some you know yank you know met scorecard somewhere you know you're like oh my god who is this like i went through him one time like a couple months ago i'm like oh it's just armando benitez (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just when you think you got some money in your hands, it's just some shem. <laughs> What's your favorite Yankee Stadium moment when you were there? Okay, I got four. I'll just do them quick. And if you want more, I can give it to you. So, yeah, you again, remember, there's a lot, going back a lot to some history. So there was um, – I got kicked out of the stadium three days in a row versus Boston in 2003 <laughs> when that – you know, that – that rivalry was the rivalry was Bananas. just it was palpable. We and you know we're forget it, we're going after work. You know your your boys at work that live in different places. So you finally hang out between. You get off of work at three. The game's not till seven. You're just getting ossified yeah, at the yes. bowling alley across the street from the stadium. And then it was just it was a mess. But we got thrown out three games in a row versus Boston in 2003. I was at the game where Jeter went into the stands, which as crazy as oh, that play wow. was. That game was bananas. There was back right. and forth and extra innings. I think that was like a 13-inning game. And then with the Jeter thing, it was funny. The game was much crazier. I don't think we realized while we were there how the Jeter play took legend. We were in the stands. We didn't really realize that, you know. So that I was there for that. But um, I think you're I, right about that, John, because to me, I remember watching that game too. And I remember how that play just amplified how great the game was already at that yeah. moment, you, you know what I'm saying? That's that's great. It's great that you bring that up. Yep. That was that was that was a really crazy game. Yeah. Yep. Um. Then I was at man. I almost caught this ball too. I was at the divisional game in the playoffs against Minnesota when A Rod hit the home run to tie it in the ninth, and Teixeira hit the walk off in the tenth. Okay. But wow. the big play of that game was actually the foul ball by Mauer on the second baseline that they called foul. That ball should be fair. The Yankees should have lost that game. I didn't yeah. realize again, you don't you're in the stands. We just knew it was foul. Everybody was really excited. You can't I and remember the so the A-Rod home run was right field. That Mauer ball was left field. Right. You could see it, but I can't see where what happened. Right. And it's not like they were showing us that it was it was a bad call. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. So we didn't really know. Again, I went home for that one and it was like that was nuts. And I, we heard a lot about the foul ball that night. And then the last one, I was at the very last game in the old Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. And um I almost I almost caught a trip to the the underground cell in that one, I think, because I was I was trying to chip off a piece of the wall to put in the, uh, you know, like the, yeah. I had the ticket, I had the little ticket saver, you know, that okay. like plastic thing. Yep. And I wanted a piece of the stadium because here's, again, family history Yankees. My dad has a piece of the set, the stadium for the 70s. He went there during the renovation and got a piece. So he has a piece of the original, original Yankee stadium. Right. So I wanted to make sure that I got a piece of the second Yankee stadium, right? After the renovation. So I, and I almost got in trouble for like, I was banging the wall with something like, who cares? The place is falling apart anyway. I don't ever been there as if like chipping a piece of concrete off a building you're about to demolish is a big deal. It was like, a it was whatever, but that's whatever. That's what it is. But it was kind of fun. But yeah, I have some, I have some memories in that stadium. You know, I, I miss yeah. the old, I think the old stadium was great. The new stadium is more like a mausoleum. Like a museum. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I loved it. I loved the old Yankee stadium. It was such a, it was, a, it, and it was always rocking too, you know? Intimate. A, yeah, you yeah, yeah. 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 Really. And, and that was, my favorite moment i was there when um uh Leirich hit the homer versus the mariners and i think game 
game three or four yeah. of the, oh, wow. of the playoff series. Moment. And that was like in the 14th, 15th inning, you know, and, and I'm like, you know, 13 or 14. And I'm like, yes, tomorrow. Like I, I'm not, I might not even go to school, you know, because it's, a, <laughs> it's already 2am, you know, yeah. it's, you got all those fun things when you're, when you're a kid, that's so exciting, you know, but yeah, I remember yeah, that yeah. game. most there with all my brothers and my brother's friends. And it was just wild. I just remember the Donnie baseball chant. Cause I think that was his first playoff series. Yes. And it was, just, yeah. Just that, 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 Oh man, I got the chills right now because that stadium was that chant, uh, Donnie baseball yeah. chant, like in yeah. that, especially that moment for him. Wow, like probably my dad was crying. That was probably, his favorite yeah, player. Yeah, yeah. I, I could imagine. I mean, I just remember the emotion. He was overwhelmed. People. Yeah, he was yeah. overwhelmed. Right. Uh, I was overwhelmed in that moment, too, because that was the loudest I've heard a stadium and like the most yeah. energy I felt go to one guy, you know, for for any moment. You know, that that was pretty cool. But yeah, the old Yankee Stadium was fun. So you're let's just say you you, you can give yourself a job in baseball. Um, what would it be? Would you want to be uh, a manager, like a analytic guy? Would you want to be the GM? Tell me, like, what you think your perfect role would be in baseball. I thought about this. And it really didn't take me that long. Man, I would I would want to announce, and believe it or not, it wouldn't be for my Yankees. I would want to announce in a market where they need a boost. And like to me, so to me, that's my dream job is getting three hours on the microphone every day to try and bring a city to try and make a city fall in love with the team and the sport. Like that's my dream. Wow. You don't, I don't need no one needs the Yankees don't need anyone to fall in love with them. But I, right. I like put me on the microphone and I, it's not to knock any of these people. I don't, I don't know specifically, but I'm just saying, put me on the microphone in Pittsburgh or Arizona or some, Colorado or somebody where we need a boost, where they're not doing good with this. There isn't a lot of interest and people maybe think it's boring. Yeah. That's where I would like to go. And because to me, like to have an impact would be everything, you know, that would be That's everything. Awesome. And I feel like, you know, man, I've lived such a crazy life. And I relate to so many different people and it speaks to the diversity of the baseball um, public, right? Of the baseball consumer. And I think, again, that's part of it. Not to say, I mean, I do everything right and other people do it wrong. It's just, I think we need an awakening. I think we need somebody that, listen, I do it. I've got a felony arrest. I can talk to those people. I have an academic scholarship. I can talk to those people too. And I think it's important that we do, that we do relate to the street, to the boardroom, to the classroom, to the field itself. And Understand that there's a traditionalism, but that there are also advanced statistics being, you know, their inception is now part of the game and the new understanding. And if you want to understand why ball clubs are doing what they do, this is why. And that's not really happening right now. People are left in the dark, right? right. There, there isn't really this this gap. That's what I like. That's right. So I guess what's my dream is to bring baseball to the people. And right. I guess the best way I thought would be being a broadcaster. Maybe it would be like being on ESPN, whatever would get me that platform that people go yo hot damn man maybe we're missing out on something here maybe this isn't boring you know yeah, baseball is cool like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah like, yeah, like cool. all the things yeah. we geek out over all right let them know let everyone know why it's so cool and get into it i 100 yep. agree with you you know you watching watching um games on the mlb pass you know you land on some announcers and you're like this is terrible you know, yeah. they don't even hear how they're talking. And, and, and even 
It could have they don't like, understand it either. Sometimes no, they and don't. That breaks my heart, man. It could be like sexist toned. It could be racial toned. They don't even realize it. I'm just. I was talking about not understanding the advanced. Oh no, but just well, there's even those things too. Even those things too. I'm just sitting there, like, oh my god, this is so bad. How is this guy on TV? Yeah, yeah. Because no wonder people aren't watching these games because it's a disaster, you know. And yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great, man. I think we should try to line something up like that. Yourself, well, man. I could definitely fill the airtime, you know. That. Oh, 100%, man. 100%. <laughs> and it's not, e- not necessarily easy. Not necessarily easy. You know what? I just had an idea for you, too, about filling airtime. But, you know, you, you're talking about mentioning, like, you know, you go to the pork store, you, you, go, you go wherever, and you listen to these podcasts. Maybe you should just vlog it. And as the thoughts come to you, everyone everyone can (laughs) see your process, even when you're not in front of your computer. Like, where is your brain going, even just while you're doing these things, you know? Scary place. Boom. (laughs) Put it on the list of things to do. All right. right, So let's talk about this offseason prep. All right. Here we go. Yeah. How do you get started into fantasy when it's draft season? When do you start? Um, Do you you kind of linger into and the football at all, you're diving right in right after the World Series is done. And, you know, how is the progression toward opening day of getting ready to dominate fantasy baseball? Yeah, for me, it's a, it's a sculpture. And it's a very, it's a sculpture that ends up with a lot of details that begins with a, with a large slab. So it's going to take a refinement of process and a lot of different tools. And so I start early. And I was talking about this on a counterpoint where I begin by casting a very wide net you've actually been privy to seeing the player sheets that I'm, I'm, alu- I'm alluding to. Mm-hmm. So that's my best bet is I, I, um, man, speaking to people about their own process, I've heard, and it's not right or wrong, which is different. It's not my job to say who's doing things right or wrong. But some people will start with a specific player. And I feel like if you begin with the micro, it, it can lead to running out of time. Even if you start in November, it's very, you can't really do granular analysis of a 600 player pool and have a real life. So I like to cast a, a wide net, a macro net. And I know we're really big into, you know, buckets, baskets, and formatting, formatting mm-hmm. baby. And then like, mm-hmm. I, I like to build things in, in baskets, you know, buckets or compartmentalize them as, you know, I like to say, and I feel like that simplifies it again. I, you don't think I know I talk really fast. Like I know, and it could lead to overheating and lead you to get scrambled. So the best way for me to avoid that, again, I try and be, as objective in my own self-auditing process as possible. So the best way for me to do that is to just, just like compulsively organize everything. Right. Get all the data together. And then especially in the days now where we have different providers, Rob, you and I speak about this often, yes. different providers having different, I don't want to say different versions. Again, it's not like someone's doing something wrong, but if you're talking about hard hit rate on fan graphs and I'm talking about hard hit rate on StatCast, mm-hmm. we're talking about the same, and I, this happens. Two different analysts are talking about the same player using the same stat, quote unquote, but making opposing points based on a number that only shares a name and not a description. So that gets you in a lot of trouble. So I just said, I can't deal with this. I put it all, I mushed it all together. I, my favorite Abe Lincoln quote, dude, give me five hours to chop down the tree. I'm going to spend the first four sharpening my ax. So mm-hmm. that's my style. I'm taking fan graphs. I'm taking Savant. I'm taking Alex's leaderboard. I'm putting it all in one place. Even if it takes me a week or two or three, it will not kill you to not be drafting, you know, before, let's say, the second week of November. I'm not right. talking about Thanksgiving. You right. know, if you have to take November 1st to November 15th to sharpen the ax, then that's what I'm going to do. 
And then to refine it, I get in the draft room and where I find myself going, man, I'm struggling with this 1v1. Hey, early on in draft season, that's why I do four-hour clocks. And I take my time, right. settle down, I sit in front of it, and I really parse through the details. And, you know, I'm doing kind of content, so it fits. That's where uh, a Rosa Reina versus O'Neal came from. That's where Mullins versus Luis Robert came from. Right. And then, you know, it sparks healthy discussion, and hopefully I go from there. Yeah, that's great. That's uh, exactly what I did this year, too. Um, last year, I think, after right after I won the overall, I was like, I'm getting into a league, you know, so you, you get right into a draft and, you know, maybe you, you, you say, oh, I'll just, uh, you know, I'll just study as I draft. Um, this year, like you said, I sat down and, and just pulled everything into a master batting sheet, master pitching sheet, and, uh, you know, just, just to be able to have things to look at and format it and um, just have a nice, uh, like you said, take, take the time to do that. Um, and then, you know, uh, I remember just like when I felt, oh, wait, I could add this, I could add this. And by the time, you know, I'm looking down, I'm like, oh, I have too many tabs, you know, <laughs> because, you know, you want to keep adding things to the, you know, into the tool set. Um, and, you know, it's just, uh, I think it was easier for me to do that because then, you know, I can just filter out, you know, some, just just do some filterings. Like you talk about how you get into your buckets, you know, like I, you know, filter reach rate and, and K percentage and slug or whatever you want to do. You want, you just have some random filter you want to throw out, try to, and then group players together. And then that's how you come up with like, you know, you said, Oh, this guy is kind of like this guy. They're close in ADP. I have to do a deep buy. They're, they're, they're far in ADP. Why? You know? Um, so yeah, it's definitely, I think it's a great approach. Um, take your time out and do that as soon as the season ends. And um, it, it really helps. It, it really helps. So you talk about your buckets and your basket. Tell me how they become um, baskets and buckets. Tell me what, like, how do you determine what receives that next level analysis that you see from those buckets? And you say, this is where I have to go even further. So the right the buckets start with, and I, I guess the word I used before is probably the probably the right one compartmentalization. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't think I necessarily invented this, although the the template is probably my own. But again, I didn't reinvent the wheel. I I I have you know I like to combine things, right. and I think that's easier, especially with dealing with a large pool. And even to expand on that, if we're in a draft room and it's quick, 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 we only have thirty or sixty seconds. We don't have time to be like flipping tabs, like you're saying. You need a Oh, apples to apples. You need to be able to digest it and make a determination off it. Hopefully, again, you're not making full-on determinations in the draft room. Right, but sometimes yeah. you do want to be able to look at something. We, right. I'm not going to lie about that. We may want a, a 1v1 co comparison. Mm -hmm. So first thing, I wanted to break down the entirety, right? That slab I was talking about. So for us in the construction field back in the day would be our rough work. Right. So when I talk about having different tools for different jobs, this is when we have our rough tool. So I'm taking a sledgehammer and breaking off the top chunk because I know I don't want anybody with, a, let's say, a pitcher that doesn't have an 18 percent K rate or uh, inversely, a um, hitter that has a better than 34 percent strikeout rate, let's say. So right, right. the bat, you could just lop off, you know, lop off things that, you know, are going to get you in trouble. There are more than enough players to have different directions. You don't need, at, um, you know, uh, exposure to everybody. That's. That also, that's probably a flaw. People think 
they have to over diversify, which is something I did myself. Huge, huge mistake I made last year, Rob. I wasn't taking the guys I wanted because I was afraid I had too many of them. Thinking like thirty-three percent ownership was too much. So uh, stupid of me. Yeah, and yeah. I won't fuck my mouth. Is really stupid. It was really yeah. Stupid. yeah. Anyway, anyway, back in the baskets. I'm looking so at Glen Otto shares right now, and I'm wondering the same thing if I should stop my my Glen Otto shares. But I, well, is, I like I it. Think, well, cost <laughs> included with him, I think he's someone that you could if you have what are we talking over eighty percent. Then maybe, but even at 50, 60, dude, yeah. let it rip. If you believe in it, yeah, you in it. work. Yeah. If, yeah. If you believe in the work, that was the mistake I made. Like I'd find a guy I loved at the price and get the first two or three shares and then like back away from it because somehow like, it's just silly. You got to commit. Right. You have to commit. I was too noncommittal. I was too conservative. There is such a thing as not playing to win. There really is such a thing as that. You're right. putting the money in the middle. You got, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stealing the Gable quote we were hearing from the Zach's pod that i never ordered a watered down drink and all props to jimmy mean. that's a very good that's a very good it's a very good quote I, really that was a very, such a that was such yeah, a great podcast he was yeah it really was I, great Gabe, he was awesome and if 100 percent, i gotta get you're welcome yeah he's welcome yeah i got him on my list too because that although was just, he's a pain in my ass with drafting a, a main event dude two oh, drafts yeah. simultaneously and i think we're next to each other in both of them he's driving me nuts but i think it, it, uh, speaking to him, I'm, I want his take in the same way I, I showed you my draft boards that I think they're a testament to how far I've, I've come. Right. And part of that is a reflection of the this process that I went through. So I broke it down into, I like to look at surface stats, though I really don't consider those input stats, right, Rob? We're looking for inputs opposed to outputs, though we need the outputs. So right. I take the output stats and put them to the side and then generally break down players into discipline, elevation, and batted ball quality. And it goes both ways, right? So for a pitcher, discipline is everything that would have to do with strikeouts, walk rates, chasing, um, anything, first strike, you know, all of that stuff, anything with discipline, chasing included, right? Z-cons, all that stuff. Yep. So you kind of have a place just to put that as you're right. coming across these stats. Boop, okay, that goes in the first pail because people, I think, try and take the big slab and they try and start using that little pickaxe first. Ding, 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 ding. Where, yep. yeah, I, listen, I understand everybody has a process, and I don't, I, I know I said before, I'm not right and you're wrong. There are some things that are wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So, using a pickaxe, using a little pick hammer when you have to lop off a gigantic piece is wrong. Right. Sometimes time matters because the clock is ticking. So, that helped me push th the whole machine forward. And then, once I realized I could go, oh, this goes into discipline. Oh, this goes into elevation. Oh, this goes into bad ball quality. Before you know it, no one stat will tip the whole thing where people tend to do that with, especially with expected stats, something I know you and I have talked about as well. Right. Yes, X -woba. yes. What X-Woba. Listen, I love X-Woba more than the next person. And if I were going to get a single stat tattooed on me, that might be it. But that's not <laughs> enough to make a determination. Right. Right. That's what people do. So X-Woba now just kind of goes in one little, boom, it goes in one basket. Right. Even if it makes that one basket heavier, it, that basket is now not enough to change the triple beam. Balance. Yes, yes. I feel like it was so funny too, but there was a stretch where all anyone was trying to do, I felt like is in my limited time of going to Twitter, I've been trying to limit myself as much as I can, but it was seemed just like a stretch where everyone was just trying to say that max EV was useless, you know? And I was like, just do like in my head, just, just do what works for you. Like, what is this? Why is everyone trying to prove that this one stat that shouldn't be used singularly, everyone's right. saying, Oh, it's, it's, it's not good. What? Of course. Like if you found something, if you have a formula or if you have a model and you show that it is an input that makes your model better than 
Hell yeah. But of course, obviously, that one little thing, I don't know, everyone just seemed like they were trying to prove like this one little thing on its own wasn't great. And it isn't great on its own. Like, no, there's not too many good, like, things that are great on its own, you know? Right. But yeah, that's a, that you, that's exactly what I think is good. Like, learning how to understand, you know, that um, one, one stat or metric shouldn't just become dominant, you know, over right. the other tapestry, right? Yeah. We're, we're weaving a tapestry. Right. Absolutely. The old tapestry. Um, so where do you feel like you have an edge on other players um, when you're in a league? And tell me some of the, maybe some of the weaknesses uh, that you've have identified from last year or your history of playing and that you're, you're trying to work on and getting better. And I wish I had more edges than I do. I know the one edge I do tend to have is with pitching. And, uh, you know, my handicapping work is a big part of it because mm-hmm. I'm looking at starting pitching that microscopic lens every game, every day, peeling away at all the underpinning stuff. And that's the other part of it. My work has led me into, and that's one of the, my best part, the best aspects of my game right now is that I was, I was, again, you were there for this part of my, my quest. I was willing to be wrong and know that I knew nothing and go learn. And when I started to pick up the ball, the whole ball flight thing, and I spoke to Barton and now Jeff Ponce and, you know, guys like that that are talking about shapes of pitches yeah, shapes of pitches. And, uh, dude, he did a podcast with Langan. That's ridiculously good. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the best thing I've heard in a really long time. I, I needed notes. That's the only – if there's if that's a considered a downside, it's that you need to sit and listen to it and be able to go back. And, and it's a learning – it's like a lecture almost. Right. right? So it's an educational process. Right. It's, yeah. Those it's pod- entertaining. I don't mean to knock them. It's not like no. it's dry, dry. But right. It's a learning thing. Yeah. No, yeah, 100%. And, and – uh... Jeff, Jeff is just great on the mic. He's the man. Yeah, he's, he's very nice. Yeah, he's, he's unbelievable. He's, he's, I feel like he's one of the best out there. And just in terms of the way he yeah. gets the data across and again, just piquing my interest on things and uh, his, his, a lot of his pods, but those pods that you did, you know, like you're saying with the ball and the ball flight, those are the, those are the ones I listened to like two or three times, you know? Um, yeah, me too. I don't right? know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it was just uh, sometimes you miss something and, or, yeah. or you just didn't understand. Like I would just constantly rewind it just to understand it. I feel like sometimes you might pass over things if, if you're getting it, but you don't really get it, get it. It's, complex. it's complex. It's complex, right? It it's really complex. I, I love how you dove into that stuff because um, yeah. I feel like, you know, uh, we'll get to that later. As part yeah, so, so that's what been you, my that's yeah. been my edge for pitching because of this I truly believe where the proof's going to be in the pudding. If I'm right, I'm going to do very well this year. Right. Is that I believe that the underpinning statistics in the arsenal and our new, you know, all that stuff in the new understanding – shape and drop and spin with angles that really is more telling of what to expect in the future than looking at pitching stats gosh rob the more i look at them there are very few that i even care about anymore mm-hmm. don't get me wrong i still draw this i build up the tapestry but i find without knowing those underpinning stats i'm talking about like if we're not talking about the movement in a fastball you're gonna have a hard time convincing me of anything i think that's what i'm getting at is now that I've had that door open and how critical it is and applicable to the space, like I really can't get away from it. So that's been my edge and almost everything else has been a weak spot. I'm a point player coming up. So I had to learn Roto format. I, mm. I got, dude, I got the f- floor wiped with me last year, really missing on saves and improperly valuing them. And God, I just did everything wrong. And I- if you miss your specialty categories, you could still finish in 12th and be like really good in pitching, you know, so right. I was really good in 
very good in four pitching categories, although wins, wins are very wonky. We all know this. So let's say three and a half, and that's not enough to be good, even if your hitting is good. And I didn't do great with steals and batting average, something that doesn't really translate from points, right? The, hit, the hitters I have in the front of my head are OBP guys because points reward right. on base. Right. Yep. So when you get into like batting average, you almost – it's weird to admit. It's, I mean, now I do. But I didn't know who had a good batting average because you don't really know. Like yeah. a, a walk is a single. We don't care. You get the point. Get the point. It's like a karate kid. Get the point. Get the point. You yeah. know, it, it didn't matter to me. It didn't matter to me if a guy's – that's another conversation, OBP versus average. But the rule of the game is average, and I had to correct that, not realizing, dude, God, guys, if a guy is going to get you 650 plate appearances but hit like 225 – it's a, it's a, I don't know how he could return value almost. At the, now at the point where I can't draft Gallo, and that goes to what we were talking about, just amputate. I amputate huge swaths of the player pool based on these parameters, and it just makes me – it's not. It's made it easier for me to do, but I think it's also made me a better player because you find yourself having to do less wild stuff to compensate. Got it. Yeah. Like yeah, so it. team building I have is was, uh, was something I had to work on that I did, and I, just so I don't sound too arrogant – um, I'm very poor. I was very poor at maximizing plate appearances and getting the most out of my lineup. Like, even if I'm, I, I consider myself very good at fab for a new player. I'm, I think I'm very good at fab. It works with my whole style. I'm good at pricing. Like, I understand. I, I'm I, good. At that. But I wasn't picking up the right people. And I don't mean this panned out or didn't pan out. Rob, I would be pulling my hair out going, why did this guy pick up the back end of the Cardinals lineup? Like, I don't understand. He was looking a full week ahead, and they yeah. were playing in cores Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next Thursday. And yep. it blew my mind. And I said, oh, I'm just doing this all wrong. Like, right. this, is, this is not something that I was not – I was going to ever figure out on my own without experience. So, 100%. you know, all the newbies out there, yes. if people are maximized, dude, full optimization of those plate appearances. And I had this, like, what I thought was galaxy brain. Roto is the patient man's game. So I just kind of let the stats mm. come in. Yo, man, I'm not going to like change my lineup, man. I could miss him that bad. Yeah, this guy's, you know, the, yeah, this guy's a star. You can't do I'm that. The, you yeah. can't sit in your laurels, right? You got to go get it. Yeah. My first main event taught me that. With I played with Phil, Rob Silver, Gecko, um, you know, and three of the best players in the world Oof. and i'm <laughs> looking I, I, i'm looking at the fab when it goes off and i'm like reading the list i'm like why the same thing this guy for a buck this guy for two bucks what's he gonna do what's he gonna do i'm asking all these questions and then <laughs> at week's end you know i'm like i'm going back i'm looking you know like that's how you get better like why why and even even when it wasn't so obvious even when it wasn't um you know cores in two weeks or this and that it's you find things you're like, huh, wow. You know, you and you take notes and like this, this is this is a learning experience. And yeah, that was that was a big eye opener, really. And uh I think I did good last year and in, in in like I had only um two bids in my main event league that were over 80 bucks. Um, and that was a $200 Manoa, which was well okay. worth it, especially with the Grom lost him in that league. And yeah. um, one was a $240 Eloy when I was low in power. Oh, in God, yeah. And, yeah, so was, and that one, I actually didn't think I was going to win. I thought, I thought it was going to take more. Um, but other than that, um, and, and in my one main event league, I didn't even go above uh, 64. You know, it was, oh. it was, everything was lower than that. And because I learned that, 
huh, you know, that eight, that $9,110 player is not going to bring you back like that much more than the two or yeah. three, sometimes not, not even more yeah. than the two or $3 player. So it's really, it's really, it's a really pivotal part of the game once you start to pick up. Yeah. Those and especially little- relievers, right? If we're, if we're helping people, that was huge. Me, the first year I didn't do that. The second year I did TGFBI, say what you will, but I was on it and then put that forward in my qualifier leagues next year. What I'm getting at is adding the relievers early. You know, right. think of, just think about the pure numbers. You're better off adding, you know, a hundred guys at two dollars than, than one guy at two hundred dollars, mm. just from a pure probability standpoint right. that you're going to get a hit. So being proactive, and again, this is for teams. If you're needing, if you're in need of saves, I always have one roster spot reserved for. I'm just I'm churning that baby, and I'm going to hit. I'm, if you are dedicated, you are going to get one eventually. You are yes. going to get a guy that sticks. And in years past, it was not even who Luke Jackson, but the guy yeah. racked up a ton of saves for Atlanta that year. Right. And that's kind of how you do it, right? Yeah, right. that's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and Estevez with the Rockies last year, mm-hmm. we were early on him. Oh, that's right. You were there. We were early on him. We were early on Finnegan. I was Finnegan. a week behind yeah. you, so I yeah. couldn't be bragging because I did I did bite your style. But we collectively were early right. on that one. And Huge. You know, you get the oh, it's, yeah, he's not great, but I need saves. My right, right, my ratios yeah. were good, and they kept giving him the ball no matter what. So right, they I did hundred percent. But it's walk rate, but this way, but it's Babbitt. It doesn't matter. He's getting saved. Yeah, like, I had the cushion, but he like might not he did, keep yeah. it. But that's all right. Until he loses it, I'm taking every yep. single save I can. Dude, get. and how there had to be three different weeks where I said, Rob, this is it. Finnegan's done. He, yeah. This is it. He gave up. <laughs> he is he. There's right. no way they could go back to him, and he'd give up three run homers in back to back games, and. Get the rock the next time out, and he closed the door, and then we were back in again. So Sick. you know, close saves are really wonky, but again, I do not ever want to overpay for that. They're good, right. they're not really worth a lot in season to me because no. they generally they don't come with awesome, you know, supplements, right? They don't right. come with ratios and K's that right. are usually filthy, you know. Right. So I don't want to pay a lot for those. Yeah, beep, I'm early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and last year, like in one of my main events, I was uh really had to make up a lot of saves and I um, by by one point at the end of the season, I had like seven guys in there, you know, even backup guys, you know, and just uh, just going from like uh, sixth and saves to third, you know, was huge. When you know, uh, one league I had like a hundred and k, a hundred k bump over anybody else. So I was like, all right, I could take, you know, I was dropping like a Rodon, dropping guys like Dylan Cease just to grab these save guys because I knew the point difference was was better that way. Um, That's another big lesson, by the way. Yeah. Something very hard for me to adjust to. The category watching again, yes. points, points is a singular commodity, right? Single value, very easy. And not so, not so much in categories where you right. don't realize, oh man, uh, you would never sit slugger A for this light hitting shortstop. And yeah, you would in Roto because maybe the batting average is 50 point higher and he could steal your bases when you need those. Right. Yeah. You have to pay so much attention. I really so love much. the, I love the sweet science of it. Yeah, I do. Yeah. But there's, it's so, hard. there's so much science, so much perspective. Like going forward, trying to look for it. It's really, it's really, uh, it's it's awesome when you really look back yeah. and you're like you know how would you know playing like all these games that every team plays and all these factors were factoring in like you know when when you are good at it uh, or when you win a league or anything. It's just you know you shouldn't um, knock yourself. You know you shouldn't not give yourself praise because it it takes a while to get there. You know it take it takes so much. Uh, skill, a little bit of luck, but you know, you have to get there with, with input. So um, one question before we get into some strategy talk for the draft champions, I want to know, do you work on 
Um, what do you work on more? Like what you're good and great at to be even like more masterful at it or something that you're not as good at, like a lesser skill that you're trying to get forward. Like I, I struggle with these sometimes too, whether it be just be player analysis or um, um, in-season in management, like um, things that I feel like I'm strong at. Sometimes I'm, I'm neglecting it maybe because I'm trying to get better in other areas, but then I feel like, I don't know if I'm doing this the right way. I don't know if I'm finding the right balance. Just, I don't know if that's question kind of makes any no, it sense, makes to you. sense the balance is important the balance yeah. is very important i have found the the pathway that has yielded the best results has been outsourcing the specialty work so i give you know a couple examples we mentioned ponce eric cross chris welsh i outsource my prospect work through just a small streamline of people James right. Anderson as well of course he's uh, he's yes. a very he's a James a very important pillar of my prospect analysis and that's it. And it's not that I don't really like anyone else. It's just uh, that's where I'm going for the specialty stuff for bullpens. You know, we're going to Jewett, and that's it. Right. We're going Got to it. those boys at Recon, and that's that's it. Mm-hmm. And that because again, I need. There's only so much time, and there's so much work to do. In a perfect world, I'd say, well, Rob, we donate time to the stuff that needs work while we master our own craft. Not always the case, but something I do. God, I hope this doesn't sound too arrogant, but what I, what I try and do is I really do try and innovate new things that help me get the job done. So like I am the type where if I don't like the way it's being done rather than complain about it, which I will do, I do like complaining. I also try and fix it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you see, right. I don't, I don't like the win. I don't like the quality start. So after I'm done wiping my cheeks of tears, I showed you how I would replace it. Right. And I was having trouble again. This is another good one. This will be out with the athletic probably this month. I, I'm really looking to make this like a, like a nice, really effective piece because I want this one to stick is um, being able to cite pitching seasons briefly, right? So think of WRC plus for offense. We offense people cite that it, it not to overstate it, but it's just a very simple descriptor of an offensive season. This player had a 125. This player had a 131. If you really want the details, you got to go look, but I bet your bottom dollar, if a guy had a 131 WRC plus, he probably did something good, right? I mean, that's right. I didn't make it up. I saw that we in your sheet. That. We I don't saw have that. that. In, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. don't have that for pitchers. Nice. And even with baskets, this got me in trouble. So again, rather than cry, I, I, I kicked the door open and made it happen. Where, okay, Rob, briefly, how do we compare two pitchers with a single metric? Is it strikeout to walk? Is it bat- barrel percentage? Is right. it fly ball? Right there are those baskets as I walk you through discipline, to elevation, to bat a ball quality. How do we compare them? Is it Sierra? Is it not Sierra? Like, how do we do this? I didn't know how to right. do it. I don't know. I don't know the answer. So I created, uh, it's going to be called PSR plus pitcher season rating plus the pluses. Cause I'm going to put it on a plus hundred scale. I mm-hmm. gave everyone a Madden style grade out of a hundred and then ran that against the field to a- with an average score. And you know what, dude, it's awesome. It is so helpful. And again, it's not to create something we didn't know, but it's going to be fantasy centric to help us apples to apples compare two pitchers right for that this pitcher again it won't be wrc plus he had a psr of 130 this pitcher had a psr of 95 and since i'm tailoring it specifically to fantasy meaning i'm going to include strikeouts right which we we want right there isn't really a generalized metric that includes that this is going to have that and it will speak to strike or strikeout rates in totals as well so 
I didn't have something, so I make something, right? That's kind of my thing. So like, that's, that's really awesome. what I do. Yeah, when I when I need help and I can't find it, right? So step A, I'm not like, I don't trust people, which I guess I don't. But I, I my first step is to outsource. If I find yeah. people I respect and I trust, all the gentlemen I named before, I, I'd much rather outsource for a minimal dollar cost, right? Most of these people, they don't charge nearly what they deserve. So just give them that. Whatever they ask for, just, yeah. just give them what they ask for, you know, use happily and use that work. And that will save you time to help focus on the other things. And then, dude, it's the balancing act. You know, you, you get up, you want to get up at five, you want to get up at six, you want to get up at seven, you want to get up at eight. Whatever your answer is, person out there, I was working that time. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, chose yeah. option A. Yeah. So if you choose option D and you're going to be three hours behind me, in 10 days, you're 30 hours behind me you know yep. and in, in what uh, you know and it's going to keep growing and growing where it's going to hit a point where you're going to need four uninterrupted weeks of no sleep to catch up to where i'm going it ain't gonna happen so rates right it's almost like fantasy stuff yep i set a rate and i just try and make it happen man you know it's you gotta work you gotta work you want it you gotta work at it that's awesome man yeah i i admire that just like you said just get up and uh you know sometimes at the end of the day in general you're like where did the time go i didn't get a chance to do this and then you said to that hey, well you never enough time there will you slept until 10 30 you know you slept until 10 like you just gotta work like you yep. said you gotta, you gotta get up my dog they get up sometimes they gotta go up and get out early and i take like in the mornings i feel like all right well if they want to be up i'll be up too get to work. You know, make the coffee you know make the coffee you start reading whatever you turn on your ipad or reading a couple articles whatever it is you know just, yeah, you got to enjoy it like i yeah. enjoy you know i yes. enjoy it so i'm looking forward to it a lot of times especially once i get these little brush fires going and i have a chance now you know the the, the plus star thing caught the fswa award so it got a little it got a little heat we're going to revisit it now and do like a plus start to electric boogaloo or something like that, you know, and, and hopefully I really, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm not done. You know, I want this, not to say I'm looking for rec recognition, but I, I had a goal. Like I wanted to fix the win. I think I fixed the win. I just don't have the, the push behind it. So the answer right. is right. Yeah. It's got, it's so corny, but if you love this stuff, it's hardly work. Right. Right. What do they say? When you love what you do, you don't work a single day or something. A hundred percent. Yeah, man. That, that's a, that, that's so true. That's so true. All right. So draft champion strategy. Um, I want to talk about like your overall team strategies, um, you know, like where did the, where did the, like is there the diversification that is involved just in, in terms of your overall building roster construction. I know some guys will always stick to either a pocket ace or, um, you know, I have to get X amount of closers in the first five rounds, or are there like sometimes where you say, all right, you know what, on this team, I'm not going to go closer early. I'm going to pound a middle or in this team, I'm going to take first four batters and, uh, you know, then just pound the middle pitch. And are you pliable like that? Or are you sticking to something that you feel is, is what you want to do? Well, I, you could definitely be pliable. I, I think there's a, a thousand ways to skin that cat without scratching his butthole. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But the, 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 Though to this particular season, I'm getting closers early. That doesn't mean round two and three. But right. I am getting – I want two guys before – like I'm counting Neville as the last of the true – like I, I, I thought they telegraphed he's the guy, I think. And, and the skills look good last year. I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be fine. So I'm making sure to get at least two guys I consider to have the job. And then maybe one guy I think that'll get it for us out the box. Like the two guys I mentioned before, I already said the name. So, you know, like an Estevez or Finnegan, not expecting a whole season, not expecting 35 saves, 
hoping that I get like a dozen before he loses the job. Right. And I'm hoping that let's say I get, uh, you know, I'm trying to be very realistic. And this is something James Anderson was talking about that he said it. And I was like, dude, I, I'm feeling this. I'm not good at finding late saves. So I don't want to play that game. You know, right. you, you do that. I'm not going to do that. So I'd rather pay up, but you can't pay up and then take darts later. If you pay up, you have to slam the door on that and capitalize on the extra, you know, the extra picks. You have to make the, make the most of those. So I'm doing like a, I'm hoping for 25 from Jansen and I'm hoping for 15 from Nabel. Like I'm being very conservative. Right. And then I'm hoping for, let's say 10 from Estevez. And right there is 50 saves. Hopefully it's eighth place in the standings. And then that's it. That's all the capital I've spent on a lot of those. Maybe I have a guy here later on, but again, the, the, the hit rate Rob is so extremely low. Yeah. And I've become not just to say I've become so confident in the pitchers I've identified late, which I have, I've just become so sold on the math that the plate appearances are only around for so long in draft champions. Yeah. And you gotta get them. And it's almost yeah. the same idea where that one hitter up front could be two starting pitchers later on. That one closer up front might be three starting pitchers later on. Something I talked about in counterpoint where there are teams dude that are, are spending 10 or 12 picks on relievers. That's kind of nuts to me. You too much. I don't know how you're doing that. People are doing that. I'm not sure if they feel like they're just out of options, effective options later on. See where I've tailored now my strategy of, and it's not just to say hitter early. Like it's not just hitter, hitter, hitter at the box because I don't see the starting pitcher pool as a pure, let's call it a pure pyramid. I think it's a little top heavy. And then I think there's a tremendous glob when we look at results on a per game basis Gosh, how many pitchers on a given week are going to give you a five and two thirds with six Ks and two earned runs? Could you could you identify what pitcher that was by the line? No. You know right. what I mean? That's the standard line. Most guys are going to do that. So I think I'm um, starting. I need to have some starters up front. I definitely want closers up front. And then whatever I can backfill with plate appearances, I do. And then it's all yellow at the end. So I'm like, I'm going the opposite of Dalton Del Don this year he and i would be an interesting kind of side by side where he's yellow brick road up front i'm yep. yellow brick road in the bottom but again it's not to say i ignore pitching because i think you need an ace so i yeah. kind of have a unique style here i'm like ace ace combo hitter saves plate appearances starting pitching like that's my that's my front to back got it got it yeah no i like that little road and i i think it's important too to you know understand uh, like you said know what you're good at you know know what you can identify later it's huge um you know i could uh last year in in our battle of the pod you know um i drafted my first closer uh in the 18th round with hand and then 23rd round i got mark Lanson, right you know oh, just winner. those like didn't 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 even i uh, won plate appearances and all that guessed late speculated and nailed it you know i didn't come in first and say it but i came in fourth but it was enough that where all my other plate appearances you know helped me um you know it's just but then so a lot of times in my drafts this year i'm like well you know I did it last year in some leagues. You know, you always have that thought in your head because you say like, oh, I identified it once before and I did it when I uh, won the overall too. You know, I, I had Presley and Barnes in, in like the 27th and 28th rounds and, and you know, they both got the job and, yep. you know, ran away. Ow. And yeah, God. right? It's <laughs> so nuts. I'm struggling. Dude, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I'm, I'm very much struggling to get to that number I was talking about. And 
the thing about the scenario I laid out before, the Jansen Nabel ask ask ten fantasy owners where they would put a Jansen Nabel Estevez combo at. No one's going to come in at fifty where I came in. So yeah. if it ain't fifty and it's more like sixty-five, it's gravy. That's it's it. Gravy. Three right. picks. Three picks. Sixty-plus saves. Move on with your life. Stop drafting late closers that are going to get you zero and right. look for impactful innings or offense. Right, right. And yeah, absolutely. I think I think going early if you want to is great in the draft champion. If, if you want to walk away with a, a hater and a Diaz and, and then just you know, take, take your, your round 47 through 50, take, you know, take, take Luke Jackson and take Clay Holmes, who knows, just take your guys that you think might come in and grab some saves. Um, Can I ask you, do you have a set number of relievers? Because I've noticed that you will sometimes move back, which is fine because you're effective. Yeah. But do you have a number like you cap it? Is it five? Is it eight? I mean, like I see the twelves and that makes me nervous. The twelves are too much. I usually like to get, you know, somewhere between 22 to 25 pitchers and, you know, usually like 24 ish. Um, it depends how I lace up my multi-eligibility. If I'm just, yeah. if I got, you know, six guys, I can fly right. between second and outfield, third and short, yeah. you know, uh, if I have so many of those guys, I'm going to take a, a couple more pitchers, you know, and I'll feel confident yeah. that I could fill in my spots um, and take more pitchers. Um, if I, I don't know, I don't think I've ever gone above eight relief pitchers. I know um, that's a lot, you know, and I feel like, that's what you have to find in the, in those drafts. And I feel like it's important to differentiate, you know, um, say you like uh, Luke Jackson, like you said, it's just a whole bunch of guys that you like, uh, Phil Bickford, uh, Phil Matan, <laughs> you know, like you like all this. these yeah, guys, but if you like them, um, don't take guys in round 40, like Aaron Bummer or, you right. know, like other guys, because then you're going to get to f- round 48, 49, 50. And you're like, oh, Jake Brent's all day. And all of a sudden, then you look up and you have 10 relievers where That's that might many, not yeah. be. Yeah, you have too many. So, you know, pick your spot where you want to take them, you know, because I love guys at each spot. I love that. There's some guys I love at 35. There's some guys I love at 40. But if I took all of them, you know, I'd have too many. So, and then again, like you mentioned, it's all about what you do up top, because if you're taking Hader and Hendricks or Hader and Diaz, you're not going to take more than, you shouldn't take more than five. Yeah. Know? People are though. I think that's what I meant <laughs> no, to say is no. even the high, even the big closer spenders yeah, because you, are, are ending up with six or seven no, guys. It's 12% yeah. of your roster. It's too much. Because you know what, if it crashes, if one guy goes out, oh, well, you live with that. You don't try to make it up right. with, 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 with more picks, picks at the right. end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. It, it's, um, there's some teams where I might, if I have more of a like volatility where I feel like in the ratios where I might take more of the Garrett crochets and the Aaron bummers or, you know, guys who I can, I can, I know I could throw in for like multiple innings and, yeah. you know, your Brent yeah, suitors, yeah. you know, I'll try to fill in like that. But if where I feel solid and I'm already like over 80th, percentile and my you know and my targets and I, i'm i'm not worried too much about finding guys to lower ratios and i'll load up on your you know right. jordan lyles or you know guys who are to me that's how you win that's yeah, me that's it yeah, doesn't necessarily gotta, have to be him but right, to me that's how right. you win um hey rob lyles went five and two thirds and five k's to run runs he's one he's guess what yeah. you know that's what people do like that's just what it is it's funny how how tight the range of outcomes on pitcher starts are they're very right. they're very tight right. 
Right. Not many guys are going seven with 13 strikeouts. This is a very, it's a very slim pickings up there, which is why I'd like to have guys that give you a, a lick at that. But right. after that, <laughs> dude, I take a little bit here and there. You, you've been in a draft room or two with me. I, I have a couple high K strikeout guys I'm circling. Other than that, give me everybody at the back, man. Right, right. No, it's. I think it's important. It's important to identify in draft champion those guys that you know you may look at. Um, you know, I don't know, uh, Taylor Hearn or somebody. You know, who's uh, he doesn't look the best, but he's well, guys listed. You know, for in like line for spot, yeah, yeah. hundred and twenty-two innings. Okay, right. you know, like yeah. at some point of the season, you are going to use these guys. You know, you're going to need them through injuries or just double right. start good matchups. You know, your your Bryce Wilsons or Will Crows, you know, they are nothing really. But you for those one or two weeks, you're going to use them like that's what they're good for. And if you're not in line with those guys, if you don't have guys who might or, you know, listen, if you have just bombarded with injuries and you just have this guy, like you said, giving you that five innings, four earned runs with three walks, it sounds terrible, but it's it's kind of, you know, better than not having any innings at all, you know? So uh, I think it's important to, you know, um, try to load up on those guys at the end, you know, at the end of the drafts. Um, So how do you feel about your rookies? Out, off, no, right. Nine, yet, yet, (laughs) nada, non, nunca, you know, it's just, especially at, especially when they're attached to premiums, Right. In draft champions in particular, there's uncertainty. Plus, we don't know if they're going to produce. You, you can have that all day. Now, right. I do make the exception, again, outsourcing the work. So I'm glad to, like, I don't sound like a total bullshit here. You know, I'm, I'm giving advice that I actually take myself. I outsource my work. And once I'm at the point where we're talking, let's say pick 275, 285, where it, you're not necessarily drafting a player to the bench because everything's full. But I think once you hit like pick round 19, 20, 21, you could draft a player to your bench, knowing right. that you could backfill that piece somewhere else. And I think that is where it makes sense. So you can give me, for me, it's no rookies at all under 285. Once we get to 285, if you think you can get between me and Riley Green, you got another thing coming. Me you know? get. Well, he's, you know, he's, James is not, James has not hit it. James has been very unabashed about it. Loving yeah. Riley Green, Keith Law. Loves. I mean, I thought I liked Riley Green until I read Keith Law's piece, which I was quoting for the Athletic. Wow. I mean, it's every it's everything you could hope for. And the word is, you know, that he could open the opening day with the big club, and they're part of the new deals are working towards getting these guys up earlier. So not only does he represent a tremendous value at two eighty five, he's going to jump a hundred picks if he's the you know opening. Opening starting spring training left fielder or whatever. You know right. what I mean? If he if he starts with them and looks good, forget it. He's gonna go skyrocketing. So there is a time and a place. I'm always kind of weighing the potential. But so I didn't right. want to say, I didn't want to say no, like absolutely not. But you gotta get me into the 19th to 20 round. I'm not really considering anybody. I have no wit. I just not yep. I'm just not interested. I don't want that mistake. You can have it. I'm not doing it. Right. I'm not doing it. Yeah, yeah, I totally I, I totally agree with you last year. Um I know that when I when I got on all these guys who played draft champions, um and just listening to strategies, you know, a guy like Steve Weimer is just like an assassin in draft champions. And just yeah. when I, I sat down to too. talk to him and and you know, he he the way he just said like, you know, boring is beautiful and just and just getting these vets that we're gonna you know yeah. accumulate at bats and that you know I really tried to focus in on that and I I, I 
me and Zach Waxman made a bet last year, you know, uh, Justin Turner versus uh, his boy uh, um, on the Mariners. God, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Kelnick. Um, oh, Kelnick. You know, he, he was like, well, we'll bet dollar returned, you know, dollar value returned. And, uh, you know, he, cause he, he was like, what do you, you know, what do you see in Justin Turner? That's better than, I'm like, he's just going to produce way more than this guy is because he might not even come up, you know, or he might get sent back down. Which he he's did, forgotten but, again. He's, yeah. He's, he's forgotten again. <laughs> he's projected for like 25 bucks. He's going all the way at the end. It's yep. Yeah. Yep. Some guys man. forgotten again. Right. hundred percent. But um, yeah, I totally agree with you with, uh, with James Anderson too. He he's, I feel like, um, you know, some 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 prospect analysts get too really high up on. He doesn't their, like prospects. Isn't that great? It's amazing. And he's <laughs> yeah. successful in the NFC yeah, sphere. Yeah. And and to hear someone being so honest about that, yeah. you know, because, you know, he then when you hear him excited about a redraft rookie, you're like, ooh, like you said, you know, he. Yeah. Yeah, but I I, I totally yeah, agree. Yeah, I have all the green. I have all right. in every format. I have all the green you could get. I think he was one of, I believe there's only three players in all of the minor leagues last year that hit 300 with 20 home runs and 15 steals. So you're talking about getting, you could get the entire package with him playing every day. Uh, yeah, it just could be, that could be the windfall that we're looking for, you know? Yep. Yep. I, and I agree with you, like the outsourcing of the, of the prospects and the rookie thing, you know, like I, 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 there's a couple of things I'll use and then I'll go into it more myself, but just to have the initial startup, here's the guys you should maybe be looking to. Um, I, I've been, um, uh, I, I follow the prospect live guys on Patreon and they have some wonderful stuff out there. Dylan White, um, who's on Twitter as the arrival, I think he came in second or first last year in TGFBI. He he has a phenomenal data tool that he put together. Really? Yeah, that that kind of um, won't reveal his sauce too much or at all, but he he finds major league equivalences from minor league data that relates to like what major leaguers did. Um, you know, so he kind of finds those guys that, and he puts that on a scale and some guys, you know, kind of pop. So you kind of look at a chart like that and then you go more into detail about, you know, um, you know, what, what guys you may want to get. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's such a good start, but the rookies definitely don't go early and um, get involved late, you know, take, take some stabs, you know, take some rookie arms. Maybe you might think that come up, even if they're going to give you a second half, you know, uh, surge, who knows, you know, a couple of starts at the end of the year won't help. But um, yeah. let's talk about handcuffing relievers. Um, it, uh, one thing that kind of like takes me aback is the popularity of like uh, Loisiger and Chad Green. And I don't know if it's, I wanted to know if you think it's more indicative of people thinking Chapman will break down or if it's just that the Yankees uh, bake a cost baked in, like because they're a good winning team and that they get a lot of volume or they're next in like, what do you think, you know, raises that? Because I was looking at the backup relievers and pens and they're just they're way higher than other teams and they're both there they're both high and i guess that's also yeah. like indicative of of we might not know who gets the next save thing one or the other but what what, what do you think do you think chapman's skills is is more is raising that more up than 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 them themselves yeah it's a it's a it's a perfect storm that's a yeah, really a combination right? of everything there is a yankees tax that is a real thing there's already a closer tax going on, and we know how the Yankees like to use Chapman. Then there's a segment of people. So there's a segment of people who believe Chapman is a lockdown guy no matter what. 
there's a segment of people who think he's going to be out very soon because he was kind of wild, although he reined it in at the end of the year. I think he was struggling with the sticky stuff that recovered towards the end of the year. So I'm in the camp that he's fine. So right off the bat, I'm a bit worried about those two guys. Right. My second worry is I don't know who would get it. If, yes. if, yeah. if the Yankees do like to use a singular closer. I don't know who that would be without Chapman. Right. The wise guy has been so good regardless that I think he's fantasy relevant. So I think he might be like there's all these different pieces going together. I think the wise is just being seen as win saves ratio guy. Right. You know, there are some you you were speaking about it. And as you were speaking about it, I'm going, man, I, this there's a back door I've left this weakness I've had. And it's not touching those relievers. I've, I may have erroneously been pegging them as zeros in steals but they're not zeros in contributions. Right. I'm hoping I don't need them to start, but this is draft champions, baby. It's a war of attrition yes. where there might be, there may have been peace. And I'll, I'll, I'll go so far as say, I'm sure there were draft rooms I've been in where I overlooked impact for relievers that really might have been on par with return with some of the starters I've drafted thinking I need innings where again, five innings, you can get that from a reliever, five strikeouts. Wait, we get that except you get a win and a save from that reliever in the same time. So right. there are certain guys that toe that line, this kind of hybrid line right now. Luis going to be one of them circling back to the reason for the Yankee tax. Whatever. I don't even, I'm a Yankee fan that kind of hates them, but the fact is they're good, right? They win a lot of games. They, they get, they're in a lot of close games and the bullpen's always very good. It's always very close. So right. there's all your answers. It's a lot for me. I can't really touch the backup guys because I'm either, I've either paid a lot for saves and I'm not doing that. Or the limited spaces I have are not going in that direction. Yes. Um, Rob, I mean, right now, the favorite bet, and we just because of what it is, the favorite bet is Chapman finishes the season as Yankees closer. 100%. I can't pay a premium. Yeah. Right. You can't pay a premium for draft capital without at least the allure. You know, I mean, if you're going to at least tell me, God, I don't know, Tyler Matzik maybe goes earlier than I thought he would. Because I think people are worried about the Will Smith walk rate. That's a mm-hmm. little similar too, right? Will Smith, he just, they just went to him absolutely. Through a, people forgot how poor he was at points during the season because absolutely. he was, yo, he was sick in the in the playoffs. And I believe because of that, they won. There's no reason not to give him the rock again. How many months of 13% walk rates are they going to stomach if he's blowing lots of games? I don't know. You know, so it kind of mirrors that, but a guy like Matzik is cheaper than both of the Yankees with the pathway to be the closer. So right off the bat, apples to apples, I'd probably rather go that route because it's cheaper. You know, and I'm just, I think you're trying to galaxy brain too much if you're trying to be like, well, this guy goes down. And, or, dude, you're gambling with zeros. I don't want to be gambling with zeros. I think that's at the core of it. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it's a great point because I think they're like green – and the Wiser are both great pitchers. And like you said, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in DC, they're going to get in your lineups, but at the cost they're going, I feel like there's some similar guys in, a, in other pens and in, in, in pens where these guys might even rise to be a closer. You know, right, like, absolutely. Yeah, right. yeah. So I think they are a little high for that. Um, right. Green I, and the Wiser most likely will not be able to pitch their way into the role considering if Chapman's healthy, is what, yeah. right? You know what I mean? I that totally door is locked. That. The door yeah. is locked while he's healthy. Where again, you're, I know you're, you're bullpen work. It's not a, you, you probably sold yourself short. You're not purely lucky. I know the work you do. I've seen a lot of it. It's very good. And I think that's it. You're, you have a weak antelope mentality. You know, you've identified vulnerabilities that you choose to attack. 
the Yankee bullpen for you is not a source of vulnerabilities. It's a yep. source of strength for them. So, yeah, I guess it's a matter yep. of perception. Right. Got it. Got it. Okay. Two um, two things have been lumped into one. So going back to players that were bad picks last year, um, you know, baseball HQ, Ron Chan like to call it like extreme regression drafting where they're taking the, that, you know, shrunken draft course versus last year ADP, whether it could be from injury or, or, or a performance issue. And then also going back to players that were really good for you last year. Um, and maybe even two players who like you drafted later on, like a Logan Webb, and now he's at 60 and you're like, oh my God, I can't yeah, do it to 60. Like, so tell me how those things go, you know, into your evaluation and how you could, you know, bias is, is, is huge and, you know, yeah. players hurt your season and they help your season. So how do you balance that, you know, when you're drafting them for the following year? I didn't mention this before because I knew we were going to get to it. This is the second part of when you asked me, like, when do we bust out the microscope? Part one was when I have in-draft decisions to make, apples to apples. The second fork on that road that I bust out the microscope is this, when there are tremendous price disparities that are mostly linked to single season events, right? Like mm. like I said, either, either big breakouts or total drop-offs need the microscope. They're not that many. I was digging through, actually, I was talking to Matt, he was helping me out. So like the guys that bombed out at cost were, I see Lindor, Eugenio Suarez, right? Trevor Story, Kyle Hendricks. They're all so specialized. Each case is so specific. You got to look at them all individually. I actually did a video on Lindor because it's just, it's a curious case. You know, you can't just box score, watch this guy. He's, he was like a perennial MVP kind of kid that ain't right. the first round fantasy pick. And all of a sudden the big move, he had an injury and then a strong finish. And we're just like a throwing the whole baby away with the bathwater. You got to look at these things in particular. Eugenio Suarez. I always love Suarez. We saw the average sinkhole, then the bounce back. You got to dive in. You're not going to find the answer on a fan graphs page. Trust me. I love fan graphs, man. So I guess, yeah, in general, I think those are individualized Kyle Hendricks and the lead ballers. I don't know what's going to happen. As far as guys that we hit on, this is the first year. See, this is, I love that you bring this stuff up. I used to never pay the price because I'm very cheap. I'm a known cheapskate. I'm a dude, like I'm self made. I mean, not, not like I've made much of myself, but I am self made. Like I don't have a boss. You know, we work for ourselves here. I'm entrepreneurial. Like I have different businesses and stuff. Like I gotta make it happen, man. I'm really into cost and I'm really into not getting burned once I've had value. This year I'm turning it around because of what I said to you before. Right. I do all this work. You found the player. I have a perfect example. I had the most owned player I had last year was Tyler O'Neill. Could there be a bigger hit? I guess Cedric Mullins. But, right, those are monster hits. Those are the monster, monster hits. And now, you know, they're both good examples, but something like O'Neill is going on, what, the fourth or the fifth? Mm -hmm. And I found myself at first going, oh, I don't want to pay that. I got him at 25th. Yeah, you got him in the 28th round whatever last year. That is different. Like, that, you got it. You can't do that. You right. can't do that. You know what I mean? Or you'd still be waiting for Amazon stock to hit $250. <laughs> it's 3200 bucks. You know, you just people yeah. get caught in the past and and there's a good like there's a good trading tip here and it's called, you know, trading a breakout, right? So some things are in a range and something at any point could go up or it could go down. Right. You have to be ready for buying in either direction. The thing is, sometimes things are going to go up and you need to have a point where you say, "Okay, at this point, I believe in continuation." So, guys that I believed in because I thought I found something. Then they go and do what I thought they would do. I'm not getting off the train this time. This is the first year. Yes. This is the first year I'm doing this. I've never done it before. I always bailed because I would tell myself, Rob, I'm going to find the next one. Right. It's not that easy. 
And right. people, some people still don't believe in Tyler O'Neill. I mean, there is a case for him to be going higher than he was. His batting ball quality is second to none. We've seen some slight, the disciplinary gains have been slight, but he, if there's a single player in the league that can, you know, be a first round return with a 27% strikeout rate, it's him. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm sticking with my guns this year. I'm sticking yeah. with my guns. Um, although, you know, am I a coward? Last year it was Sandy Alcantara, and I can't get to him this year. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it swings both ways. I'm a half coward. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think it I think it's all case dependent. Yeah. But with a guy like Alcantara, I just think he's going a little too high for my. It's too high. Okay. Yeah, too it's high. too yeah, high. Yeah. It's too high. Okay. For me too. I I would have to see him down in in you know that Gaussman Musgrove range. You know, and that and he's not going to be there. And he's not going to be there. Yeah, I'll yeah. wait. You know, I saw him in the guys? second round too early yeah, no. for the second yeah, round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, pass. I want back. a 29% K rate or better. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, me too. And I just, yeah, I'm not going to do it that high. And he's he's not going to dip. So guys are entrenched with him and they're okay, fine. You know, I'll, yeah, uh, he's a very good pitcher. Yeah, I think he's yeah, better he's real good. life. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and well, also, we'll see. I wonder if, if either one of us would be swayed if um, Miami puts him. Buddy behind him in the bullpen, right? Let's say they bolstered the bullpen. I, I, you know, we heard rumors of Jansen, Kevin Jansen ended up there. I, I don't know if that would strengthen his case for wins, right? Because if you tack double digit wins onto that profile, maybe he would make up for the strikeouts with volume, right? Because he right. he's not like a 200 strikeout guy that we think of as far as rates, but he could get it with 200 innings. He might get 200 Ks. Right. So I don't know. Right. I just had, yeah, I guess he's the exception. I have many, uh, you're right. You're right. It's priced. The, sure. the winds is, is it a tough thing to It hurts project. you. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. Right. It, the context no. is not great. I know you can't project the winds, but you could look but at a little bit, <laughs> but a little bit. Yeah. I mean, a you bit. know, yeah, a little bit. You could, you could look at some Vegas odds, you right. know, you, you can look at, you know, a projected lineup of the team and they're, 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 you know, full full OPS, they're full WRC yeah, and the bullpens, plus. man. Right, bullpens matter right. as a better. Yeah. I know it. Yeah, look look at the projected team's batting side and say, will this team score enough runs for him to get some or put him yeah. in the spot to get good wins? You know, yeah. I think that's something that uh, there's something right. There's yeah, something, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's something. Um, okay, so tell me about your split. We mentioned this before about the relief pitchers, about the the numbers that we you know how many guys are we putting on the team? So you know, batting. Batting to pitchers, what's your uh, what's your ten? You know, what do you like to get to? Well, I went I went Abe Lincoln earlier. I'm gonna go Bruce Lee this time. With I gotta be like water. I'm gonna be like the water, and I'm mm. gonna be willing to to take the form that I need to. Again, this is a mistake I've made. I I drew up hard and fast parameters, and found myself like following rules that I didn't know were right. And not necessarily. You mentioned the key, or my key at least, is multiple position eligibility. Mm-hmm. is the pathway to extra starting pitchers at the end, right? So you've seen everything for me right now is finding ways to to volumize, you know, create all the volume I can around my starting pitching rotation, looking again for that kind of blob outing. Right. So I think that's, you know, that's really if me because I'm, let, let's put it this way. If I could put a number on anything, it would be, I'm hoping, Rob, for four options at every offensive position. So I think okay. if I had to, if I could quantify, I didn't want to, I don't want to not quantify something because that's not my style, but I would say that, but how it gets there is kind of up to me, right. meaning the, maybe I don't need, you know, to draft two second basemen in the thir- late 30th round when maybe birdie solves second and third, right? A guy like that in years mm-hmm. past last year, I had 
Nicky Lopez and every team, he ended up being great for me last year. But I'm not saying I thought Nicky Lopez would be great. I thought he would play every day, so I'll take credit for that. And I knew he had second base and shortstop eligibility. So he ended up right as you're working through that. I'm looking for four in each position. He intersected those branches and answered two questions. So when you get, especially later on in drafts, guys that could answer check two boxes for you, man, that's humongous because it, right. it translates into another pitcher. Now, granted, I draft hoping all my guys are going to be healthy, and I think that's smart, but you also need backups. And something I've adopted this year, which, again, answers that, that progression right through the roster depth, is what happens if my guys get hurt before opening day? Like, can I, can I field the team if I lose somebody? So I've made it a point to try and have two starting lineups. And I think that hmm. in order to achieve that, you need multiple eligibility guys, which right. ends up serving the function of opening up spots in the back. So I've kind of had these overlapping theories that have really boosted each other. They've kind of intertwined together. And this is my product. Like, this is what I got this year, and I'm going for it. And if it's wrong, it's wrong, but I'm going for it. That's the answer I got. I like it. I like it. That el I mean, right, eligibility is, is very important. Rob, I'm curious. Do you think it's properly valued? I I don't. I don't. because I don't think it is. Yeah, and, and it's not even the value of whatever, the return value at the end of the season or the return value or, of, of the player like in the ADP. It's what it allows you to do in the draft and in the season. And, and it's just, especially in the draft, you know, I just think it's, it's huge. So, you know, really – you can swing guys to another spot and say, all right, you know, I don't have to force myself to into corners because I could just put this guy I have here into the corner spot and, or at third base and I can go for this middle infielder that's better. Or, you know, this just gives you a whole bunch of ways to go. And I don't think it's valued properly. And, and, and that's what, you know, um, guys who you have with multi-eligibility, I like, I always like, I actually looked at, you know, how many guys can can qualify to play in my outfield if I have a 10 or 11. Right. Um, but realistically, you know, if I have Marte and um, Tommy Edmond, you know, are they going to be at second and middle most of the time? How how many of these outfielders are am I really relying on to be or like the outfielders? And that's why I was actually wanted to ask you, like. How do you know, do you always just count where they qualify or, you know, maybe where you might, where you think you'd be using them more, you know, because you could say, oh, I have 11 guys that can go there, but how many do you really, you know, want to play there or have to play there, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's the latter. Yeah. It's the latter. You know, where you see that a lot is the, I'll give you the perfect example is like, I'm not counting multi eligibility catchers for anything outside of C. So that's right. probably my best response is. No, I'm like, I don't count Tyler Stevenson in my first base. I need four first basemen, not including catchers. A lot of the other ones, I'm, I'm not really sure. I think, I think because Rob, I've become so, gosh, I don't even know what the word, I've become so strict or stringent with the stats and the tapestry, like with allowing players to pass through my filtration process. Meaning yeah. if a player gets past all my filters, I'll play him almost at any position because I think there's something there. Um, something, you know, Toby was talking about this on a show with, with Bubba that was really good. And it was about, you know, not, don't tie categories to positions. Right. Tie categories to this, to the standings, to right? Because yeah. that's where they, that's where they belong. And right. that was a very good point. Now, granted, there are some, you know, some of the stereotypes do work. If you kind of go, well, power at first base, right? We're not looking for steals at first, but if you happen to get steals at third base with Hayes, or let's say you happen to get steals. I don't know. There's a couple guys like that. Maybe uh, 
you know, that are going to get you steals outside of their position that yeah. also have multi-eligibility stuff. You know, I mentioned Birdie, right? You're drafting Birdie late. You're not really thinking he's going to play third. But if you need steals and you need a third baseman, you'll be happy as hell to put him in the lineup, right? So mm-hmm. I don't want to be too too tied into the preconceived, but I would say the catcher thing. I think I think that totally stands out. I right. do not count. Right. You know, I'm not counting uh, Varsho as an outfielder, and I'm not counting Stevenson as a first baseman. Absolutely. And actually this year, this year I've, I've, I've lopped off the mandating a fourth catcher on, on some teams. Really? I, I have, I have uh, on some team, especially you, you the You might get zeros. I mean, the, the guys I had to put in last year actually gave oh, me man. negatives. Yeah. I start, I, there was, yeah. there was, there was plenty of weeks where I kept in JTR or that half Her- a week. Yeah. Oh, Her- yeah. 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 There's several weeks where I kept in, a hurt JTR or a half a week of a hurt Wilson, um, Wilson Contreras. I, I just, I look back at my team stats, you know, and I tried to uh, see how much those catchers were hurting my teams, oh, those bad. fourth catchers. And they did. They actually hurt my team more than it helped. So at that point I said, then why am I drafting one extra guy? You know, especially teams where, maybe I do have um, a Varsho Contreras or a JTR Contreras or um, anyone even in two in that tear with like Elias Diaz. And um, you know, if I have him as my catcher too, I'm probably going third catcher and that's it. You know? Um, oh wait, who is my, who is my favorite backup catcher of all time that I always lobby for that I always draft and he's available at the very, very, very end again, Rob, come on. Good second half. He's now with the Houston Astros, which I like have to look up. Oh, I Castro. Know I should have known. 357 Castro. Wobo, 130 WRC plus backup catcher in Houston, right? We know Maldonado's garbage. Come on, Jason, Jason Castro, Castro is my yeah. favorite fourth. He's my fourth catcher this year. So it's funny because I kind of tried to call you out. I'm like, oh, you're going to eat zeros? If I don't have Castro at four, I only have three because of what you said. It's like a guarantee. It's almost a guaranteed negative. Yeah. Which again probably speaks. This is very similar to the conversation about relievers. Once you identify this, the answer, people, is get catchers, right? Get yeah. you got to get good catchers. That was another mistake. That oh man, I, coming from one catcher point leagues, I always said ah, I get my catcher in the last oh, round. Absolutely, big. Difference. Oh, I used to, dude, yeah. I get smoked at NFBC thinking that I could. I said okay, fifteen. There's thirty major league teams. There's fifteen fantasy teams. Nobody's going to be drafting catchers because they're not any good. And like, oh my gosh, just awful, awful results. Because yeah. if you have if you have the C25 as your C1, you're cooked, man. You're cooked, yeah. right? Guys like Toby and yourself are going to get 500 quality plate appearances out of their catcher. And you're lucky if you get 100 plate appearances right. and they're not even quality. So right. yeah, I was losing before I started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that was one of the things I really loved to, you know, to... um to attack and getting those two really solid catchers. Um, not, not in every single league, you know, but I would, I would like to have that, but sometimes it didn't play out where I have to, you know, where when, you know, when pitching early or you take closes early and you're just trying to catch up and, you know, you just wait on the catcher or at least one catcher, you know, uh, but two catchers. I just loved It's just such a great, did you see what I did in the battle of the podcast league? I'm curious what you thought about that. So in the battle podcast league, I didn't get the catchers I love. So what I did as my, I paired the two Ranger catchers as my backup. So like, I forget, I forget exactly who my one and two were, but I knew I wasn't in love with it and thought, Oh, maybe I could pair Heim with Trevino. That's Mm -hmm. my three and four. 
Hopefully they are the monopoly, right? We're going back to our old stuff, right? That's right. the Baltic, Baltic and Mediterranean, the purple spaces of oh. monopoly. And we could build, I could build off that because I've been desperate for a late catcher plan, dude. I'm desperate. I don't really know what to do. And be, frankly, man, I think your stance is it. If you don't get, you get the three, get three guys you like. And if there's nothing after that, dude, an, an empty cupboard is an empty cupboard. You can't right. will, you can't will it, you know? So I think right. you, I think you might be right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, in 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 a recent DC, I just finished. I have Wilson Contreras, um, Pedro Severino, and Manny Pena, and and it got to a point in the you oh know, like, gosh late forties <laughs> where where you know I was just like you know what I, I this is it this is what I'm rolling with you know so and even that, like a Maldonado because you see you see Maldonado is a starting catcher gets a majority of the plate appearances but right. they're very low quality. I yeah. mean, he's below replacement. I know <laughs> it's just, just, you know, like I said, every league is different, but, um, yeah. you know, catch up is one thing where I decided this year, I wasn't gonna, you know, worry about getting four all the time, you know, it's just, right. just the stance I took and yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, you know, I'm going there. So I wanted to ask you what's next, John, in, in this, in this <laughs> fantasy, you know, this in this ours. fantasy, yeah. in this thing of ours, <laughs> like, you know, uh, I know your podcast, you know, where you're trying to dive into the seam shifted wake and, you know, you're talking, hearing uh, Jeff Ponce talk about, you know, and, and Alex Chamberlain talk about VAA and induced vertical break. And you hear all these things and we're all trying to quantify, you know, how is it going to help us in fantasy? Um, and even though there's so much, so much to learn there, right. Even though there's so much that we still have to understand there, I'm wondering if you have anything in your brain that you're thinking, I can't wait till we get to this. Me, it's bat speed, you know, like that bat speed and that, and that bat path stuff. Like I can't wait till Hawkeye shows us that, you know, because I just think that's going to make things like max EV and, and exit velocity a lot more um, descriptive, predictive, everything. And I think it'll give us even a clear picture for hitters um, than we do have now. But is there anything that you think in your head, like, wow, like I can't wait till we see this. Man, as far as like the, yeah, as far as the understanding goes, I think you nailed it. I mean, it would be the furthering of, the understanding of pitching and mm-hmm. which you're building off of, which is the, the batter side of that. And what we are learning is those opposing angles, right? The, the combination of the incoming angle with the outgoing angle, I'm mm-hmm. oversimplifying, but ball meeting bat, yep. you know, is huge to the outcome. It's everything to the output. And yeah. <laughs> we didn't understand any of this stuff. Um, the best, the best I've got right now, and again, I, I have found, you know, I was willing to learn, talking to people smarter than me. You make a couple mistakes, but then it sticks. Was trying to apply the SDLA. I think it's been very effective. It's yes. really, you know what? And again, it's I'm not just throwing these things out there. I'm testing constantly and testing it within my analysis. So before I even added it to my analysis, I was always kind of checking. We know ground ball rates and high fly ball rates. And then we realized there's, remember I said before, hard hit versus hard hit. Dude, elevation is the same. So Mm -hmm. baseball information solutions is subjective. Whereas Savant and Alex, like Alex's leaderboard is a, is a statistical parameter. Right. Okay. They both are going to have flaws, right? Because a statistical parameter, meaning anything over 22 and a half degrees is a line drive fly ball. Whatever. The problem is, if you're a half a degree below, you're 
a ground ball if you're half a degree above your fly ball, right? right. And, and in reality, that doesn't make a difference. But we have we have to segment them. I'm not saying he's wrong. We right. have to do that. But also, BIS, baseball information solutions, has some guy saying, well, I don't know, that was a line drive, that was a ground ball. Who the hell knows? Who knows? What's going on? We don't actually know. I mean, supposedly they're using, you know, they they tell us the only thing they will tell us outside of the proprietary ones is that they're you know, combinations of hang time and stuff like that. But from yes. what I've read, there are, there is, I should say, at least a, a subjective element to it, right? That people, somebody's kind of watching this stuff, from what I understand, at least some of the more debated stuff. So, Got to get that job. They're both going to have, they're both going to have ups and downs, but that's what we're going to have to learn. But think about that. Same idea. This guy has ground ball X. Wait, same guy has ground ball Y, I thought. We need to smooth this stuff out. I have found standard deviation of launch angle or as people have um, helped to simplify it as launch angle tightness yes is very effective to understanding the elevation basket of a player and you're going to see it's going to line up with the stats that you're talking about so as we go yeah. we're going to understand uh, this is my my prediction we are going to understand that players that control the tightness that ray off the bat we're going to uh, quantify at some point that they have positive bat skills, right? That there's, right. again, whatever you're, that there's some, uh, I don't know if they're going to call it vertical attack. Maybe it would be, I don't even know. I don't even know. Reverse attack angle, whatever it is, of offensive, offensive path angle, whatever they end up deeming this. Those are going to be reflected in standard deviation launch. I almost bet my bottom dollar on it because it, it's the, it's the descriptor that I've been looking for, you know, right. outside of he's a fly ball hitter. That's not enough, man. We know a little bit more about it now. You know that those numbers on their own just don't hold it all, all scrutiny. Right, right, yeah. And they, they have um, uh, one website, um, Swing Graphs. You know, they, they have some uh, proprietary stuff on that, and it's it's pretty interesting. You know, it's it, it's it's uh, I think it's a vertical bat angle um, and horizontal bat angle. You know. So that's kind of uh, just like your pitches, like your VAA, you know, how vertical your bat is when, when it's going through the plane, stuff like that. And I just think that once uh, Hawkeye, you know, um, can do that, we'll see, we'll be able to see those. Uh, and, and yeah, you know what, John, I, I like the standard deviation launch angle. I, um, again, here's another thing, like when, you know, people want to argue, well, you know, what's that is worth it. It's worth it. It's it used in tandem. You know, I found it to be helpful in tandem with, all right, if, if he has a tight launch angle and he's consistently hitting um, uh, fly balls, you know, like he can continue that home run for fly ball rate, you know, or something like that along the lines of that. If, if it's loose, you know, and yep. he's always hitting grounders, well, if maybe a little tweak, and then he's all of a sudden not hitting so many grounders, right? Because he's all over the place. But what if he consistently now starts lifting, you know? Um, and I think that, I think that can definitely help in, in, in that elevation basket for sure. You know? That's yeah. It's I, amazing that average launch angle became so popular when the two of the, you absolutely need two of them because I could even tell you about, yeah, this hitter has the flattest, the tightest Ray. They have the tightest standard deviation, but if there's no lift, it doesn't matter. He's a solid ground ball hitter. Right. So it's funny. Any None of those things stand on their own because right. average average launch angle is very heavily influenced by the standard deviation because it tells that story. And in reverse, it's the same thing, right? So you can have a tight ray that's on the floor. You can have a lot of ground balls would be wide, like you're saying, where you might have an adjustment away. Yes. And then some people just get sucked in. So it's, uh, some people just get sucked into the whole thing of, oh, the average launch angle is good. 
But what we now know is by deep, by basketing, the elevation is yeah. if you have a lot of ground balls and a lot of pop-ups, you can end up with the ideal average launch angle without barreling a single ball. Because is everything that, yeah. can straight, it could be straight up and straight down that leave you with a with an average right in the middle without telling us the story. Where if that were the case, the standard deviation launch angle is going to be up in the 30s, like some hitters are. I think Randy Rosarena is a very good example of this because that, that's how deep into the weeds I got with that one. People were trying to defend the power metrics. The power metrics to this man are not there. Okay. He has some raw power. He's going to hit some home runs. But expecting this, like, oh, man, we got 22. So the next step is 32. It, it, that's not how it works. If you, can, if you can't prove it to me with the underlying stuff, I'm not buying it. But right. that's one way that we get it where. Oh, God. Well, I guess it's time for my Bobby Dalback mention. Not only does, you know, a guy like him, lots of strikeouts, but that's, again, it's just not enough. Right. He, he's got a ton of strikeouts. He has a, an average chase rate. So, hold on. You're telling me this guy that strikes out all the time doesn't chase any pitches? So, what does that tell you? If he tightens up the contact with the elite contact he already has, this guy's yeah. going to be a monster. And 100%. that's exactly what we saw, right? right. And how these things work in accordance with each other is always so important. But he was an example of a guy who has a very good launch angle tightness, but also he also has a double digit launch angle. I think his, I think, I mean, this is going off the top of my head, I think it's a, a 28 degrees S standard deviation is like the average. Anything below is good, anything above is considered bad, more or less. I think his is 27, but his average is 17. So, He's right around the ideal, like we're talking about the ideal, ideal combination, not just ideal one or ideal two, the ideal combination. So that's been part of my love for him that people are trying to oversimplify me with, like, oh man, you know, whatever, you didn't, he didn't strike out for a month after talking to Schwarber. That's oversimplifying the position a bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's important to really see those things in, in that wide range, like you're saying, um, and I've just tried, I've tried to look at different things too this year. Um, and I think it's just important to just try to dive into things that, you know, you may think and, and like intuitively too, right. You know, um, uh, I think whatever that article, I forgot who wrote it or if it was just a tweet, but it was just talking about how, you know, and again, this is naturally, obviously that, you know, pulled balls travel, f- you know, further because of, you know, the way it comes off the bat, the way the forces and angles. Um, but, you know, so I started like looking at pull DV, you know, pull, pulled ground balls, pull fly balls. And then you, when you match it up with a dimension, uh, a ballpark dimension, you know, you could obviously the Astros come to mind, right. You know, Oh, well, Bregman's not a, you know, he's not that. Yeah. Well, he, he, he just hits it there and he gets lucky. Well, no, he's just taking advantage of that skill and saying, right, right, with right. with a little elevation to the pull side, I can put myself into position for Homer. So right. um, just to, those those are some of the things I tried to dive into this year. You know, like the standard deviation launch angle, um, like just looking at EV, um, EVanalytics.com. He's got that spray score. Derek Hardy's got that spray score too, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah. You know, just just trying to learn about if, if if guys are pulling the ball, like if they're trending up and pulling fly balls, um, maybe that home run to fly ball rate is real. You know, maybe stuff like that is going to be sticky going forward. So um thing is, yeah, it's good to dive into things. Even even if it, I think even you say this all the time, right? Even if it gets you nowhere, it got you somewhere along the line. It got you some knowledge. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. People think uh, every investigation is going to turn up, you know, uh, Capone's vault or whatever. It is, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying, just that's just how it goes. Sometimes you right. dig and you find an empty hole, and you shouldn't yep. be discouraged. 
because the journey should be part of it. Because again, it should be a passion. The, the digging should not have been a labor. The digging right. should have been a passion. Every every bit more of dirt we un you know uncovered, we were excited about. It was like oh oh yep. yeah. Yep. So you know it's part of the process. You, you hit you know you win some you lose some. Right. Absolutely. I, I love the work itself. So yeah yeah it's just it's just fun. It's just fun to get into numbers like you said. Just dates back from Stratomatic. You know brings me back to my young days where you know what one one thing that like I I think this was my first like bucket basketing players type thing right john so we need we didn't get the new stratomatic every year you know my dad would buy for us probably like every five or six years right so we'd have a gap and or you know i just remember like oh but this guy's a rookie now you know there's a rookie in the game i want to put him in the game so we look for like a like a retired player you know cross out his name or just look like we used to look at the stats and be like oh this guy hit 20 home runs and this guy also hit 20 home runs right yeah you know like let's make um you know um uh, let's make Jack Clark David Justice, even though he's a righty and he's a lefty. Who knows? Like we used to just, you know, we used to try to cross out an old guy and put in a new player in, you know, to old cards. So it would just, uh, it would be a funny way to. So listen, this is how we're going to end the pod. It's going to do something really crazy right now. I brought it up for you. We're going to take the batter X projections and we're going to look at the guys with a projected stolen base total from five to nine. And we're going to have a little draft. And the goal is obviously to have the most stolen bases at the end of the season. However, with one caveat that the players must have a total ADP. I'm going to pick three guys. They have a total ADP over 750. So can't take obviously all the guys that we think are, are good, you know, fantastic and have a total playing time, whatever. So um, I don't know. I just thought it was a cool little brain exercise. Maybe um, instead of like a straight draft with who knows, you know, just trying to think of fun stuff to, to sprinkle in. So um, figures, Hey, let's try doing this. So um what do you think? You want first uh, first pick or next two? What do you want? Um, all right, I'll go first. I'll go first. I okay. wanted to, I wanted to say though because I, I'm showing this one off. You you said total ADP of seven fifty. Yeah. My top three picks. I'm hoping I don't get sniped. Is okay fourteen fifty. Okay, one thousand four hundred and fifty. So my three players are going off and 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 you want to make it not, three. You want to make it a thousand. <laughs> I am transparent. I'm transparent. I use the last two weeks of NFBC ADP. So I really, you know, I went as strict as I could and my average ADP here is 500. Um, okay. So I'm going to go first. Are we going um, draft champions or just like oh, a, yeah, I, have, the same? I, I thought yeah, last I was, two weeks I was, draft champions. Okay, yeah. Cool. I was last two weeks draft champions. I just feel like that's the strictest. I didn't want anybody saying, Oh, you know, you can't, you can't use that one. No, so that's cool. Figure, was that February yeah. 19th or 20th, something like that? Yeah. Whatever. I, I went okay. off the day. I went off the calendar. Two cool. Weeks. Okay, cool. All right. Good. First pick. Okay, I guess. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in ADP order. I hope I don't get sniped. So my first guy would be uh, Lane Thomas. So I'm gonna go Lane Thomas. I'm I'm cheating here. Okay. Um, in as far as I can, in that you know me, I scraped all my stuff. I actually I'm gonna I added bat X. It's gonna go on your sheet later today. So I was looking at all the players to bat projected between five and nine, like you said, but then I went and looked for the lowest plate appearances, right? The people that were doing that on the lowest plate appearances, Lane Thomas came up there. And then I ran and checked steamer 600. His steamer 600 is set for 14 steals. So I'm going to look for 14 from Lane Thomas. That ADP was 252. 252. All right. I like that. I like that. That's a good leadoff right there. Okay. Who do you got? Don't snipe me. Don't snipe me. Um, I'm going to start off. Let's see here. Up 
So I'll make a mistake here. Uh, I'm going to start off. Uh, let's see his ADP. I didn't. I was looking at. Oh, I was going to say, if you weren't ready, I'm beating you because I prepared for this. No, no, I got um, <laughs> at an ADP of 570. I'm going to start very deep here. Okay. Um, I'm going with Seattle Mariner, Jake Fraley. Um, we got a little, okay. uh, let's see, he's projected for 331 plate appearances and nine stolen bases. Um, I don't think he'll bump up too much more with the plate appearances, but I think he might get more than that. I'm not saying uh, 500 or 600 right. is coming, but I think more is coming for him. And, um, I think, I think he's going to put out about 12, 13 stolen bases. So I'm going to go with the, you know, for, you know, I'm going to pump up my ADP pad now right. and go with, uh, Jake Fraley at 570 to lead off. Um, oh, that's really not a bad one at all. I'm yeah. curious. So, oh man, if you, his steamer 600 is at 17, that's a good one. Is it? Okay. I should have. Yeah, se- yeah. 17. Listen, 17 on a steamer 600 is good. It's like you said, though, it's a matter. It's going to be a matter of how many he gets, but the expectations are that he's going to, uh, you know, he's going to do some work. Right. Okay. That was my right. 252 is my earliest pick. So I go twice now. Yes. You didn't snipe me. Should we, should we alternate now? Uh, well, yeah, I just took Fraley, but let's just alternate anyway, because I think back Oh, you, to back oh, you to, sure? Okay, okay. Back, yeah, my back next, to back so weak. Go ahead. Okay, my, my next, I'm going to Colorado. I'm going Sam Hilliard, pick four, pick 478. His, I think his steamer 600 is for, is for 11. And, you know, I'll take that. I also think the market has kind of soured on him. I think everyone is just kind of tired of him. You know, yeah, his, so... His steamer 600 is 411, but if I remember correctly, he he was real strong at the end. I said, I'm telling you, people just kind of soured on him. He had five steals alone in 60 games in the second half last year. So I think Hilliard finally gets a look, and I think we get double-digit steals from him also. So that's uh, Hilliard at 478. Yeah. So you're already uh... – I think I'm, I'm my few short of 750. Although I'm not, I'm, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not going to cheat and take like Trey Turner. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So um, I am going to go with, at, let's see here. Uh, I just lost him. Um, ADP. Shit, I'm looking at the wrong sheet now. Okay. I'm going with, um, Mr. Jeremy Pena of the Houston Astros. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that he's going to be the starter from the start. Um, right. I think that they believe in a developmental plan, um, and I believe that they don't feel like they're going to need to sign or shortstop to stay at the top of that division. So I think he's in for uh, a good line of uh, ABs, um, and I'll take uh, 11, 11 or 12 from him at his um, ADP of, I believe, four, I think. Let's see. Might it's well over that too. Yeah, it's 440. So I'm well, going I get news to you, Rob. If he, though, two, two of the things you said, I'm not sure they really line up, although this is in your favor. If you believe he is the opening day shortstop, I think he easily eclipses that steal number. He was he had 20 steals in 109 games in 2019. Then he had six steals in only 37 games last year. You know, yeah. so I, there's a I didn't I really I kind of missed on him. I yeah they haven't announced it. You're a bit of an all or nothing, right? If they bring in a big shortstop, he might get blocked out this year. 
Like he's 24, so like it's it's time, but it's not a rush. But yeah, not not a bad not a bad pick. I'm going all the way to the back now. Yeah, I Let's actually go. thought you were gonna go with this guy. So he was a New York Met last year, mm. and Kevin Pilar is going at pick 720. Kevin Pilar is a is like a I, I understand, I think he's 33, but he's a double-digit steel guy with his eyes closed, like he just did it. And I have a sneaking suspicion he is going to go and fill in for Kyle Seeger in Seattle. Ooh. I know some people, people were talking about like, I don't know, they're going to sign Correa and start moving pieces around. I just think they're going to go cheap. I think they go with Pilar, who is, I mean, he might have been, I, I hate to use hyperbole. It really is like the worst. He might have been the most surprising player. Well, at least for me. So let me say he was the most surprising player for me, Rob, out of all of the players in all of the major leagues with the production we got. When I looked at the box score and I said, wait, what? wait, wait, who's this guy? Wait, <laughs> yeah. wait, who had, wait, and you know, because again, I format everything. So as you scroll down for me, I like to copy Savant. So for me, red is good and blue is bad. I just copy Savant. It, it helps to, you know, with a little bit of continuity for me. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden with the counting stat box bouncing off the page, I'm like, wait a minute, ADP 700. Somebody had 18 homers and 14 steals last year. Who is that? And it's Jonathan VR. And I don't know how I, I can't get away from him at the price right now. I'm drafting him like crazy. I think I put him on my last three teams. For me, I, I he just slipped into a blind spot and I just put a spotlight on it. I'm not blind to it anymore. If this guy gets a job, a starting day job, he might break the record for most picks jumped in a single week. You know, going for he might go from 700 to like 270, no? Right. Yeah. I mean, that's. That's that's interesting. That's that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of stuff you just threw at me there that I don't think I was ready for. You know? I, I couldn't believe. It. Yeah. Honestly, some of, I don't remember who brought me. All credit to them. I'm sorry. I do not mean to steal any kind of thunder. I it, this fell into a blind spot, and this is just jumping off the page. Me, Rob. This guy's floating out there. He's a free agent. So there's you know it's not like nobody wants him. It's not like oh dude, you know three jobs got filled and he didn't get one. I don't understand. He's the first. He's gonna be the first guy off the board, perhaps. I mean, he might have a job within sixty minutes of a deal being done, and then that ADP is gonna go bananas. I don't think we're gonna get the seventy-five combined steals we had in eighteen and nineteen, but he stole sixteen bags in fifty-two games in twenty. He stole fourteen bags in one hundred and forty-two, which is a little bit off the pace. But that was also as a backup player. You were following, right? He, oh, he got a he got a small shot at being every day for injuries, but then he was a secondary thought. If he plays every day, I think he could be – I think he wins this for me. I like it. I like it. Right. He, 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 was, he was a guy, John, that um, consistently last year that I had as, you know, outfielder, whatever, seven – I forgot what he was on my, on my teams last year, seven, eight, nine. I don't know. But he was just a guy that was such a pleasure to, like, to just insert into the lineup in a draft champions, you know, because you knew – you know, there was days where he was going to play and he's just, he just fell in there great. It was just like a perfect, a perfect um, sub outfielder for sure. Um, let's see. So I'm going to go, uh, this guy, I actually thought he fell in line with the projected five to nine, but I'm going to go ADP 433 on the Kansas City Royals and I'm going to go Kyle Isbell. Yep. Top of he's, my list. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I, I'm a fan of Michael Taylor in terms of draft champions. Um, he's just a guy that I've been, that I usually pick up 
every time it's in that 470, you know, range. And, um, you know, like, oh, power speed. Sure. You know, I'll take it. You know, I don't care what he does with the average plays great defense. You know, he's, you know, he's going to be in there. Um, but Isbell, I think is the guy, you know, um, think of read in the mind in the news and other outlets that he, you know, really took up a swing change when he came back to the majors in the second half of the year, he looked a lot different and they just have the thing with the Royals. They just have a lot of floating pieces, you know, where will Santana keep getting at bats? Will they try to get rid of him? Where will Doja piece in after that? Where's Mondesi going to play? They got guys coming up, including some paisans named Vizzy Pas- Vinny Pascantino. Oh, he's um, funny too. You ever seen uh, him? He's I very know. Funny. Prado and Pascantino. I'm like, this is great. You know, um, we got a whole bunch of fouls coming up, but, um, you know, I think that, um, even if he can get, you know, 300, 400 plate appearances, I think he'll chip in about 10, 11 stolen bases. Yeah. Yeah. If they, if they would just give those guys a shot. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it it just, it's just, I don't know what route they're going to go. Right. You know, I don't think they know. I, they played around think, with Oliver. They were always playing. They were just playing with guys, you know? Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's, I, th- I think it all starts with Who Santana. Who are they sending back it? and forth? I got the wrong guy. I forget it. The, the Royals have been playing around. Oliveras, right? Was it? I thought I had the Royals. I don't know why I'm having a Yeah, no, Oliveras. Yeah, they just it's, – but they might cap that, right? Is that part of – I think. Yeah, no, I think I saw it. Well, again, I don't know how much we can act on the rumors. Yeah, but yes, true. But, but true. yeah, apparently, right, part of what they're saying is they're supposed to be a, uh, you know, a limit, a limit to the, to the traveling. All right, yeah, John, I don't know why I had so, him confused Kansas City and Texas, but right, right, right. Oliveris was the name that I was looking for, where they just they can't seem to settle. Taylor, who you mentioned, was very effective in small shots. Yep. He's actually an interesting combo play also in the drift. De- definitely, 100%. All right, so we got Lane Thomas, Sam Hilliard, and Kevin Pillar versus Jake Fraley, Jeremy Pena, and Kyle Isbell. We went both over, like, way over well, 1080. Yeah. So. I almost did it with Pilar alone. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I couldn't, dude, I couldn't believe that. Yeah, I couldn't believe when I checked when I checked the ADP. Although, although for the sake of transparency, as always, man, it it was he's got a crazy he's got a crazy min, which is funny because he's four sixty eight min and he's still carrying a seven twenty ADP. And dude, it's uh, eighteen. I mean, eighteen drafts is not it's not nothing. Right? No, it's definitely not nothing. It's interesting, Mister Paul. Yeah, he'll get a job sometime. So, I, I think, think I, so. I do. I do yeah. think so. Even if it's as a backup, and again, he'll probably get fifty games as a starter this year. He's a warrior. I mean, who doesn't yeah, want yeah. a guy to take a shot in the face and come like wants to come produce, back and producing, especially for fantasy man, to get those combo meals. There's nothing like it late in draft. What a seven hundred guy gets Nick seven hundred. Right. I I remember my wife like looking horrified when he was just. Dripping blood onto the floor. She's like, Is he going to be alive? And I'm like, that was bro- Oh, yeah, it's brutal. Yeah. And you just see him in the press conference, like, you know, like, no, it's part of the game. You know, this, this is what it is. I respect the pitcher. Like, he's just, just like a class act, you know. So I think he's definitely a locker room guy for sure. So um, I'm sure he'll latch on somewhere. But all right, Johnny, it took enough of your time today. I think Marathon. Great pod. Way to come <laughs> yeah. back in. I feel good because I, I kind of went right back into my style of pod, just doing that yeah. marathon pod. But uh, mm-hmm. I really appreciate your time, your insight, you know, and 
And like I keep saying, everything you do, man, everything you do for ah, too much the industry, just just always um, just really been by my side too. you know, constantly texting me to see how I'm doing. And, yeah. you know, Absolutely. I appreciate that, man. I, I love the uh, kind of relationships I've formed with people I've never met personally, yeah. but I feel like I've always been with me for you know a while and i know we have so much more in common than fantasy baseball which is why you know we're like you said you're one of your favorite words why we're simpatico um but you know i really feel that energy every time we talk and and we text and so i appreciate you coming on the pod and like i said i i think you deserve all the success that you're gonna that not only that 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 you're getting but that you're going to get you know because it's more more in store for you, man. You know, hundred percent. I I believe in you all the way, and you know, oh. no, I love it. You know, keep oh, man, doing okay, your, okay, okay. Too much nice. Keep man, doing so, you your, know, man. for as for as branch as I am, I'm not I'm not great with the with with the compliments. Like I'm the type of person I like to give. I'm not good at getting gifts. I just yes. makes me feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it was funny, man. I when you, I, yeah, I know. I guess I know we're friends because the first thing I generally think of when I, is like I want to talk about growing stuff that's, that's the first thing i think about when i think about you is is i want to talk about gardening which is absolutely which is absolutely really weird considering you know two and a half years ago i didn't know anything about you to meet you through this very specific niche of a space and then yeah. be like i just think about the roto farmer like i do i constantly <laughs> think about that I'm, i've shown everyone i know the the structure you built in the backyard have the vines grow up and then they grow out and over so you can pick from underneath yes. like, this this guy's this guy's doing it man this is how yeah. you do it yeah, I told. Oh, yeah, and you know I what's love funny? that um, thing. Yeah, I have friends I mean, of mine that love you because of the the organic mushroom compost. You don't think I? You don't yeah. think I talk about this? Yeah, I know, but yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. I listen. When smart people talk, I listen, and I tell other smart people that listen to me. And I've heard that was the best home garden green thumb recommendation ever. So there you go. Yeah. So so it's, that's uh, yeah. It's such a great. I thing. listen, right? I, I, told, yeah, I listen. No, I listen. Yeah. That's the thing. I'm you listening. listen. You absorb. You sponge. Yep. And I can tell that you listen. And and because you know, sometimes you talk to people and you bring up stuff that maybe you discussed. You know, and and maybe you thought it was important too. And they're kind of like, "What do you mean? I forget." And you're like, oh, "You yeah, weren't yeah. really paying attention." But yeah. yeah, that's great, man. That's you know, and I just love passing along stuff that other people have told me. You know, I remember getting my garden up and going seven years ago. Um, and I'm just lucky that I have a wife and my mother who also just love to do it, you know, and it, it's not, it's not even work, you know, I, they, especially my wife just loves to do the original like plant, you know, she, she likes to put everything in and then, you know, I'm outside with my dogs and I clip a tomato and bring it inside to eat it, you know, (laughs) it's it's like, what's great. Yeah. You know, it's going to be better than that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's awesome. But John, again, um, Tell everyone real quick, you know, where to find you. And um, you know, yeah, go ahead. That was great, man. 100%. Oh, that was just the best. Thank you for thinking of me first. Put me first, uh, the lead off. And I hope, I, I know we're going to get some burn on this one. That was phenomenal. Gosh, that was really, really great. Uh, yeah, I'm at The Athletic. I mean, at this point, you really can't miss it. I think the Twitter handle is the best thing because I'm not really sure where the betting season is going to take me. Uh, I've had people reach out, but again, and I don't blame anybody. It's just what it is right now. Everything is frozen. So including my kind of fate right now is frozen. So if you're into MLB betting, my, my hope was to bring a tool to everybody that everyone could afford because we have a new, uh, I mean, there's just tons of people newly getting exposed. And I don't think it's, it's viable to ask somebody that might only be looking to bet a dollar or $5 to ask them to pay $500. So I was hoping for like a, you know, to shoot real low, 
the few dollars a month, two, three, five dollars a month to get it all, you know, and hope that we just all can grow as a betting community. Because aside from the fact I love it, I do it for money. It's very dangerous, Rob. Betting is very dangerous. And it kills me to see people kind of walk chin first into it, thinking like, oh, no doubt. I know a bunch about this. I just bet, you know, and I'm going to text emojis if I win. And that's where it ends. And it's really not that easy. It's very complex. It's very difficult. A lot of work and a lot of math, a lot of emotional constraint goes into being successful at betting year over year. And I'm just afraid that people see the door to the casino open and they just kind of run in, you know, and start with fistfuls of cash. And unfortunately, again, it's not because I'm smarter than anyone else. I've made these mistakes myself and I'd love to help people not do that right. because getting smoked betting is awful feeling. You really hate yourself. And that's a real version of it. That's a part you don't hear about it when people are trying to sell you this stuff is it's very difficult. It comes with a downside or a potential downside. Me, I could give a shit less. You would not know if I won or lost. You would never know if I won or lost on any given day. That's my goal because that's my goal is that you would never know. My wife has no clue. Sometimes I'll walk by her and give her like a quiet fist pump, like a dap. And she'll be like, oh, my God, we made a lot of money, didn't we? I'm like, yep. Cause, and that's it. <laughs> or if I, like, I'll, if I snap my fingers like, oh, man, she's like, oh, shit, how bad was it? Because that's, that's like the, that's the, the reaction. And, you know, that, that's all part of the success is really being within yourself and not risking yourself. I hope people are picking it up. Just follow the Twitter handle, and we're hopefully we're going to make a ton of money betting this year as all the squares are getting into the market. So thanks so much awesome, for the promotion. Yeah. I hope you appreciate it. I'm here for you. I'm going to update our player sheets later today. Absolutely, bro. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Everything that you do. I know you're great at all that stuff. I, I stay in my fantasy baseball lane, but um, I know that um, just being you and who like what you bring to the table, I don't. I, yeah, I don't doubt that you'll guide people the right way and they need yeah. to be it means um, a lot to me to help in that you. avenue. Yeah, 100%. Thank so you. again, yeah, thank you for helping me lead off the uh, the comeback trail. Um, and um, uh, I'm yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Next time, <laughs> ne yeah, next time we get together, hopefully it's in person. And I should have uh, let out. We got the same hair too. Yeah, I should have yeah, yeah, yeah. done yeah. it. You got like the, like the little thing going on. I should have let the fro fly. Yeah, this is, this is just, uh, I like you know, it. Dry Bobby. That's what I like to say. It's just, uh, this is just, uh, my natural curls just, uh, I like just, it. I like just it. hanging. Yeah. Yeah. There's a Travolta thing going on. <laughs> yeah. Ultra Travolta, baby. <laughs> ultra Travolta. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. All right, Johnny Van. Thanks a lot. And thank Word. you for everyone for tuning in to, uh, the first episode of the Poor podcast in a while. And, um, hopefully we'll get, keep, keep the, keep the train rolling forward and, uh, hopefully get everyone, uh, toward you know getting optimistic about baseball and um fantasy baseball all right peace all righty folks thank you for listening to the pull podcast once again thanks everyone for reaching out for believing in me for coming back and um if you're gonna listen again fantastic um yeah so we're gonna keep the train rolling um should be next podcast will be with the draft champion overall winner um, from 2021 and um, next week I have one definite date with Toby and Bubba uh, Bubba and Batflip um, so that is one definite show for next week and yeah we just um, like I said had a long list of guys and girls that I wanted to get on the show and bring on and discuss the game um, and fantasy baseball so I'm going to do my best to, you know, try to get on as many people as I can, time permitting on my schedule and their schedule as well. So uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And remember, um, 
Just don't be a bag of shit. You know? Be nice to everyone. Yeah. Not that hard. Alright, bye.